Well, being a dad today, not the same as in years past. It's a new era, which means dads need to have new skills. According to a new survey, here's a rundown of the top skills modern dads have to master. They have to be able to cook a meal. Some other Uh, uh, skills listed in the survey include teaching a son how to shave, which that's an old time one. Inimitable Gene Collier from uh, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette joining us right now. Gino, good morning. How are you? Good morning. Thanks very much. I just want to mention that when my father taught me how to shave, he said, and I quote, be careful or you'll cut your head off. (laughs) In fact, I thought that's why we were shaving over the sink, because if I cut my head off, it'd just fall in the sink. Instead of of bounding down the stairs. (laughs) Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. It's four minutes after six at DVE. Here is the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. Two degrees. It is 73 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen says there's no policy of separating families at the border. Nielsen tweeted Sunday there's been misrepresentation from the media and advocacy groups about what's going on. Attorney General Jeff Sessions has said there is a zero tolerance policy for people illegally crossing the border, including separating children from their families. But for those immigrants seeking asylum, Nielsen said there's no need to cross illegally and risk the separation. For the second consecutive year, the Municipal Authority of Westmoreland County is being honored by being named the best tasting water in Pennsylvania. Judges awarded the authority with best of the best for samples from their Indian Creek treatment plant as well as the People's Choice Award. The Indian Creek plant supplies water for customers in southern Westmoreland County, Fayette County and two townships in Allegheny County. Forget getting eight hours of sleep. Sleep researchers now say we need at least eight and a half hours of sleep. Why is that? Well, because we're stressed and because we're bombarded with information all day and sleep is when our brains actually process much of that information. According to the study author, Penn State professor and sleep expert, Dr. Daniel Gartenberg, one of the main functions of sleep is to take all the information we get throughout the day and sort into what's relevant process is called synaptic homeostasis. It is the idea that one of the main functions of sleep besides cell recovery is to process all that information, says Gartenberg. Uh, The average American gets about seven hours of sleep a night. Joe, we got to get Dr. Gartenberg on the show to tell us how doomed we all really are. I think we should get him to do a sleep study on us. Oh, it it would be horrific, though. (laughs) He would be... He might write a thesis or something about us. We'd break the machines, whatever they are. (laughs) Celebrations in Mexico City after a stunning win over Germany in the World Cup are literally shaking up the town. Mexico beat the heavily favored German team yesterday, and when they did... Earth-shaking celebrations broke out. The celebration so intense, two of the city's earthquake sensors were triggered. The incident uh, Institute of Geologic and Atmospheric Investigation says the censored were sensors were likely set off by massive jumping during the game. <laughs> massive jumping. Incredibles 2 giving Pixar its biggest ever opening weekend in its celebrated history. The new animated film made $180 million in its first week in North American theaters. Sequel also became the largest debut ever for a PG-rated movie and marked the third biggest debut of 2018 in the U.S. and Canada. Incredibles 2 currently on track to earn nearly $232 million in worldwide ticket sales. Coming in second was last week's top movie, Ocean's 8, and rounding out the top five are Tag, 
Solo, A Star Wars Story, and Deadpool 2. I never saw the first Incredibles. I don't know if I watched the whole thing, but I saw a, a lot of it, I think. I remember... It's pretty good. I ordered it in a hotel room and was excited to watch it and fell asleep <laughs> immediately and never did finish it. That happens pretty much every time. I, I was thinking that the other day. I'm like, how can I search through the television for 30 minutes? <laughs> and as soon as I find something to watch, I fall asleep. I do that all the time. The Saturday night, I was trying to find something. That's what I was, yeah. To, to fall asleep to, because I just wanted to go to bed, but I just want to have something in the background. Mm-hmm. I was trying to go to sleep early. And I was looking for so long, I was like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I know, that's <laughs> I just, what I did. I never found anything at all, and I did, looking exhausted me. I started watching some CIA documentary, and I was like, <laughs> immediately. Uh, former Motley Crue drummer Tommy Lee and his son Brandon engaged in a Father's Day social media war of words. Yesterday's Instagram exchange began with Tommy Lee saying he failed as a father because his kids don't know the value of things, and when they hurt someone, they just don't care. I, there's probably a long list of ways oh, you failed as a father, Tommy. <laughs> Brandon fired back saying, Tommy should have showed up to a few more birthdays and baseball games. He then posted video of an unconscious Tommy as a result of their violent physical altercation back in March, writing, remember what happened last time you said this bleep. Good for the kid. So they're... Uh, they haven't really mended fences at all. So Very rarely will a well-parented kid act like that. <laughs> it is extremely rare that a well-parented kid will lash out at his parents like that. Yeah. I blame Tommy. Sorry, Tommy. You well, failed. And it's I'm not, not sure Pam is the greatest example of motherhood. Running around the world saying that... Uh, Julian Assange is the greatest person <laughs> that ever walked the face of the earth. Isn't uh, good motherhood? Finally, Blues Brothers guitarist Matt Guitar Murphy is dead at the age of 88. He was best known as a member of the band in the Blues Brothers and Blues Brothers 2000 films, memorably portraying a soul food chef and husband of waitress Aretha Franklin who asked him through song to think more about joining the band. Murphy's career also included collaborations with Chuck Berry, Muddy Waters, and Helen Wolf, among others. The cause of death has not been revealed, but he was 88. So, Forecast today, a disgusting, swampy day, an air quality alert, hot and humid temperatures in the 90s. It's 73. Player there, of course. And now weatherman, <laughs> Steve Cropper. Oh, yeah, Stephen Cropper. First a member of Otis Redding's band, and then, of course, Booker T and the MGs. Now giving you the weather on Channel 11. 11 each and every day. It is the DV Morning Show. we got a lot to cover today. Jerry Dulac will join us at 8.15 to talk U.S. Open. Also, Sean Collier will call us because he's hosting a very cool film festival that's going on at Row House Cinema this week. Have you seen about that, what they're doing this no. week? No. They're doing, I think it's the second time they've done it, Pittsburgh Sweeted Film Fest. Do you know what a Sweeted film is? I do not. There was a movie called... The Swedish people like it? Be Kind Rewind with Jack Black. Mm-hmm. Most Def was in it as well. Mm-hmm. And um, it was like this quirky little movie where they didn't have a license to rent videos. Uh, uh, so they made recreations of the movies to get around the law. <laughs> and those movies became very popular. And they said, oh, they're from Sweden. Sweden, These versions are from Sweden. Mm-hmm. And so they called it Sweden, a film, when they would 
do their own version. So there is a whole film festival of Swedish films going on in Pittsburgh this week where people just took it upon themselves to recreate movies. Is it all local? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's very cool. Uh, And then uh, Sally Wiggin, of course, will call us at 9.15 and she'll remember her friend Joe DiNardo, a legend. And I want to make sure we pay tribute to uh, the legendary broadcaster who certainly was sent up for uh, many years here on the DV Morning Show with Scott Paulson and Jim Cran back in the day. So, um, love Sally on. Just saw endless tributes to him all weekend. Yes. Everybody said, like, cool stuff about him, mm-hmm. too. It was like, not that you don't, in a memoriam, that's what, you know, right, typically but- it is. But I just liked how he was characterized over and over the same way. It's like, mm-hmm. oh, he was a Pittsburgher. And, oh, man, he was, he was a cool dude, and he had a great sense of humor, and he was a great guy, and he was a leader, and, you know. Just seemed like he was like one of those old school guys. Yep. Loved by all. No doubt. Uh, Mike Pursuit will have sports for you coming up at the bottom of the hour. Buckos missed the sweep this weekend. Uh, they almost came back. Musgrove had an uncharacteristic bad start for him there yesterday. And uh, Steelers ready themselves for, well, they're not far away from training camp. How about that? They're a month away. It's mid-June already. I don't know how that happened, man. <laughs> And uh, I hope everyone had a great Father's Day. I was yeah. uh, uh, up at were you, your father-in-law's. Uh, we saw him yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yep. Uh, I was up in Erie. I was. I went to Chicago first on Friday. Uh, yeah. How was that? It was great. I went to see the band Gomez. It was a long planned trip that kind of got <laughs> screwed up, but I, I ended up going anyways, and went and saw a band that I love, but nobody else seems to love this band. They had two nights at the Vic Theater in Chicago. My brother and I love him. My sister loves him. So we had planned to go. They ended up bailing on me. I was by myself. And then I convinced some of my friends in Chicago to come with me. They didn't know the band. They're like, did, oh, they like, did they oh, like Oh, they them? loved it. Yeah, oh, they good. had a great time. But I bought tickets for both nights originally thinking, all right, well, I'll just StubHub these tickets. I'll sell them. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure I don't get screwed on StubHub because I don't know what night my brothers and sisters can go. But they were like, yeah, no, no, we're definitely in. Well, my sister who lived in Chicago had to leave town. She wasn't there. And then my brother, who was going to meet me there, couldn't end up going. So I, I had two nights worth of tickets. So I tried to StubHub the second night. Turns out they didn't sell out either night. <laughs> and people were selling tickets for like five bucks on, StubHub's, uh, on StubHub. And I was like, uh, I was completely miffed. Like, what, what is happening here? <laughs> How do they schedule two shows when neither one sells out? Here's the thing. So I go to the show Friday night. And it is half full Friday night. It's like... How big is this theater? uh, It's like the Rex Theater with a much bigger balcony. Okay. With a, you know, a a 300 seat balcony. So, you know, it's like Mr. Smalls. And it's half full. Wow. And then I went on some websites and some of the sites where they're selling tickets said sold out. I don't know. I think there may have been some weird snafu. And the band was so bummed out about it. Like, you could tell. I bet. They had two nights planned. It was their 20th anniversary. It wasn't part of the Ticketfly. Was it Ticketfly that got hacked? It was Ticketfly. It was Mm. part of Ticketfly. Mm. That has to be it. Well, you know what? Here's the other funny thing. You know you're getting old when you go to see a band. They're doing their 20th anniversary. And... um, my friends who are, they're like six years younger than me, five and six years younger than me in Chicago. They're like, hey, dude, everybody here looks like you. 
<laughs> They're all middle-aged guys. They're wearing Converse. They're way too excited to see this band. Like, that's okay. Inversely excited. That's okay. I'm like, oh, I don't care. And then uh, I flew back the next morning after several delays, and then went up to Erie and hung out with my dad for Father's Day. And, and that's Good. you know that's always nice. Erie's beautiful too, man. You know, it's not all just collar bomb. You know, pizza There's delivery, some lovely, bank robbers, lovely scenery up there. Yeah, I, ba- I biked around Presque Isle. It was gorgeous. Cool. It was so nice before it got blazing, disgustingly hot. We went in the morning before it got way too hot because it did, and it's going to happen today, right? I think today is going to be worse. Worse than yesterday? I think so. All right. Well, prepare yourself for that. Get uh, the gold bond out. Oh, it's a swamp ass day. TV morning show. I had to do a little cleaning yesterday. Yeah. In my dad's house because mm-hmm. it was an effing mess. <laughs> and he he doesn't care. So I cleaned up. You know, the fridge was just gross. Yeah. He, he basically, yeah, he kind of living like a college, for, you know, s- sophomore in an apartment for the first time. <laughs> and, uh, I'm cleaning out the fridge, and underneath uh, the base of the fridge, there's a little blue pill down there. It's a Viagra sitting there. I'm like, hey, uh, Haas. I'm like, I found one of your casino biscuits. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, you get them from the Navy. Uh, They just hand them out. Yeah, they give them to you. So I take them, and, uh, you know, I I barter with my friends. (laughs) So he's basically dealing oh, drugs oh my God, to his octogenarian that's, friends. That's great. Who needs a boner pill? <laughs> I need someone to fix my vent. <laughs> that's what he's doing. He's bartering like... It's like a movie plot. Home repair stuff, you know. <laughs> Mr. Fix-It stuff. Yeah. I need somebody to fix the uh, I'll gutter. I'll fix you up. You that's fix right. me up. Trade you for Viagra. He goes, oh, just put it on my tra- in the tray with my other pills. He had all these pills out. You know, he's had so many surgeries, yeah. and he's got 800 pills. Mm-hmm. And they're sitting out. I'm like, what are these pills for? He goes, I don't take those anymore. <laughs> go, well, why are they sitting out there? He goes, for? in case I want to. And I go, what, what are they? He goes, yeah. uh, I don't know. <laughs> I'm like, I don't like the sound of any of this. I think yeah. my dad is like Denzel Washington in that one movie where he's like uh, the, the big drug dealer, and people are just making. Oh, Yeah. Where Russell Crowe's trying to bust him? Yeah. That's my dad right now. Uh, Nikki, I can't remember. That's it. Yeah, that one. Except he's just dealing all kinds of like statins and boner (laughs) pills to his buddies. Mike has your sports Uh, when we come back. U.S. Open repeat in the Buccos. Just missed getting the sweep. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Mike, what's the word? BobbyRayHall.com. Scott Shubler's two-run home run in the ninth inning yesterday afternoon at PNC Park proved to be the difference, and the Reds uh, averted a sweep, beating the Pirates 8-6 to six in the series finale. Shubler reached Edgar Santana with Cincinnati ahead 6-5. to five. The Pirates had been down 6-1 to one after the top of the fifth, but they scratched back to within a run after eight innings, and then uh, the two-run shot off Edgar Santana. Made it 8-5. The Pirates got one back in the bottom of the ninth, but could get no closer. Pittsburgh got home runs from Colin Moran, his seventh, and Gregory Polanco, his ninth. But a tough start for Joe Musgrove, who lasted four and a third innings. Eight hits, six runs, all of them earned. He walked one and struck out six, but still gave up the six earned runs. And then Santana giving up two in the ninth. 
In front of 23,042, the Father's Day crowd at PNC Park. The Pirates had gotten back to 500 by beating the Reds Friday and Saturday. Now they're back to one under at 35 and 36. Seven games behind the division-leading Milwaukee Brewers. And uh, guess who's coming to dinner? Milwaukee in town for the first of three starting tonight at PNC Park. The Brewers are 5-5 five and five in their last 10. Uh, they've lost two in a row. Uh, the pitching matchup tonight, Jolice Chassin for Milwaukee. He is 6-1 and one with a 3.32 ERA. He'll be opposed by Trevor Williams, 5-4, and four, 4.38. And these are a couple of pitchers that have been going in different directions of late. Chassin is on uh, a career-high six-game winning streak. He's 6-0 and oh with a 2.66 ERA in his last 12 starts. Trevor Williams, after a promising start to the season, is 0-2 with an 8.57 ERA in his last five outings. Got to make a little uh, noise against Milwaukee here, I think. Pirates have sort of threatened to get their feet back under him after that horrible stretch, but uh, far from out of the woods. And uh, What was the attendance yesterday? 23,045. They had 27,000 on Saturday. Eh, creeping back up a little. Creeping. Creeping. Oh, it was it was ungodly hot yesterday. Too hot to sit in a baseball stadium. I was going to go to the game, and I just bagged it because it was too hot. I had friends who tailgated Saturday, and I thought, wow, you guys are sitting in that parking lot, 90 yeah. degrees or whatever the hell it was. Heat index had to be 100. Family talked about uh, going to the game for Father's Day, and we said, nah, you know what? <laughs> Let's just stay in. Yeah. How about we stay in air conditioning and watch the game? Yeah. Well, that was the plan, but the air conditioning went out, so... Oh. Brutal. Good day for it. How come it always does that on the hottest day of the year? Uh, there's a reason, Mike. Because you don't use it in December? Mm-hmm. That's probably the reason. Brooks Kapka made it two consecutive U.S. Open victories yesterday, surviving uh, brutal conditions at Shinnecock Hills on Long Island. Uh, he finished one, uh, one over thanks to a two-under final round. 68. He is the first repeat champion in 29 years. Uh, Tommy Fleetwood of England had eight birdies yesterday and carded a 63. Only the sixth player in U.S. Open to hit 63, but he missed an eight-foot birdie putt on 18. That would have been a record 62, and as it turned out, would have been enough to get him in the playoff. But uh, Kapka... Makes it back-to-back championships. Curtis Strange did that in 1988 and 1989. Next year, Kapka will have a chance uh, to become the second person to win three U.S. Open championships in a row. Willie Anderson did that from 1903 through 1905. (laughs) Also, Ben Hogan won three in a row that he played in, but he missed the 1949 tournament after that horrific auto accident that almost killed him. I wonder how many people went and watched the 1903-1905 U.S. Opens. I'm going to guess not that many, but I could be wrong. Like a hundred? Because who would have known about it? How would you get the word out? People travel from all over the country now. Yeah, although golf's always been pretty big. Yeah, that is true. And you, you look at the old-timey photos of the baseball stadiums in that era, and they're all very small, but there's always people standing in the outfield, and they're always hanging off of trees, and they're all over the place. Yeah, there's nothing else to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what else are you going to do? 
That's true. Go watch a game. Go work in the mine for 12 hours. Right. <laughs> NFL news. Uh, count the Minnesota Vikings in on the uh, new NFL National Anthem policy. Co-owner Mark Wolf told reporters that uh, his team supports the new anthem policy and each member of the Vikings will be on the same page. Uh, the Vikings, Wolf said, will stand for the National Anthem. Coach Mike Zimmer is on record as saying the team will stand for the National Anthem. Said Zimmer, quote, I think it's important we stand. A lot of people have died for that flag. That flag represents our country and what we stand for. And last but not least, uh, a Bay Area Brewers having some fun with LeBron James. Bear Bottle Brewing uh, has a new IPA called LeBron Tears. <laughs> they say it's made with... Uh, LeBron James tears after the Golden State Warriors beat Cleveland three out of the last four NBA Finals. I don't know if I want to drink LeBron tears. No, I definitely don't. I'd come up with something else. Ah, that just sounds brutal. Also, the trolling of LeBron is—you know—he's—he's really without. Here, I think, you know, I don't even think the comparison to Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan won championships, but he had, like, Hall of Famers around him a lot of the time. He had a great supporting cast all the time. LeBron goes with skaboogies. Guys who don't even know what the score is <laughs> when as time's running out. But I don't know. People much more qualified than me are still fighting about this, and I don't really care. Yeah, I think that's probably why he gets trolled so much, because half the people seem to say he's the greatest ever, and the other half say no, he's not. Yeah. All right, we're going to take our talents to Val at the top of the hour. What are you going to be talking about? Well, a surprising number of people actually are having sex at work, so we'll uh, talk about that coming up. Air quality alert today with temperatures in the low 90s. It's 73 at DBE. It is the DBE morning show. We'll have Jerry Dulac on to talk about the U.S. Open. Did you see what Phil Mickelson did at the U.S. Open this past weekend? He, like, took advantage of the rules to cheat or something. Is that... <laughs> that what happened he was pigging it all over the green and shot one past the hole again so he ran after it and before it stopped moving he knocked it back toward the hole again <laughs> it's like putt putt like putt putt <laughs> and they were like yeah you can't do that but people were pissed because he didn't get disqualified and the rule is if i understand it correctly if he would have run over and deflected it in he would have got d disqualified. If he would have stopped it, just stopped it mm -hmm. from going any further, he would have been disqualified. But because he double hit it, he was allowed to stick Continue. around. Continue. Yeah. Well. Doesn't seem fair, does it? Does not. No. You seem you would think that a guy of his stature on the golf course would, <laughs> number one, be able to hit it a little better, and number two... <laughs> Not resort to the putt putt rules. Uh, he was in. We was into making love. Our bodies trembled as we touched. Then I heard an awful sound. Like she rolled on top of a duck. She had a lady part fart. No, let's just pretend that didn't happen. She blew a fart from her lady part. She blew a lady part fart. It's just trapped there, perfectly natural. It was a fart from a lady part. Oh, come on, baby, stop laughing. It was a couple of minutes until we could get back in the mood. 
we started grinding pelvises until hers honked just like a goose. She blew a lady part fart. I promise that came from the front yard, not the back. She blew a fart from a lady part. She blew a lady part fart. It's just a pocket of air. Please stop laughing. It was a fart from a lady part. Let's try one more time, baby. I wiped the tears out from my eyes. Cause I was laughing so hard I cried. And then she kissed me and said, please, baby, let's give it one more try. That's when she blew a real fart. Oh, my bad. That was from the bean dip that saw me. It was no fart from a lady part. It was an actual fart. Blow out that candle, baby. That'll knock the pungency down a bit. My baby laid a real sex fart. I should probably go to the bathroom. Excuse me, I'm just gonna step back here. I mean, really, one of uh, my proudest accomplishments as a songwriter was writing Lady Part Fart <laughs> and doing it like Hall and Oates. <laughs> <laughs> just workshopping something. Yeah. Uh, I can see Hall and Oates doing Lady Part Fart. It'd Maybe you should submit it to them. Just a Philly Soul version of Lady Part yeah. Fart. Now, that, of course. Was uh, was written because something happened on a bus. Oh, that's right. In like slippery Catan- rock, uh, like a school bus. Yeah, where some sexual uh, congregation was happening on the bus, and when <laughs> it happened, while they were going at it, uh, while they were enjoying carnal relations, uh, uh, the female farted. Uh, <laughs> And but lady part farted, and uh, the the reason we know it was called lady part fart was because the police officer who described the incident said it all a fight erupted after yeah. the guy eru- uh, laughed at her for having a as yes. he described it in the police report a lady part fart. <laughs> that is the official term. Yeah, so that's that's we didn't just come up with the term lady part fart. I don't think right that. <laughs> That's that was part of the official report. Wasn't uh, that like junior high kids? Yeah, it was like kids, and she like had a lady part fart, and the kid she was hooking up with started laughing, and so she beat the snot out yeah. of him on the bus, and they had to call the cops. <laughs> America, <laughs> what do you have? Well, uh, speaking of sex, uh, a lot of people not just having it on the school bus, but in the <laughs> workplace. Oh well, that's so. Nice. Ugh. I the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I don't think anybody has sex in this building. I bet they have. Yeah? Currently, probably not, but I bet over the years there's some relations happened in uh, this building. Relations. Well, there was a couch. In the ladies' room. In the room. ladies' room for a long time. I bet the overnight DJs of yesteryear probably had some guests in here. Oh, for sure. But I don't know you don't about- think they were- Special guests? Oh, yeah. I, I have no <laughs> doubt that those guys got laid once in a while, but I don't think that like coworkers are like. Oh, yeah. Like, well, maybe not that. Jumping but... into the cloakroom. No. Every but once definitely in a while. think there'd been there's been some action in these four walls. No, no. Jerry Dulac's going to join us at 8:15 to talk about the U.S. Open, and Sean Collier will talk about this really cool film festival going on at the Row House Cinemas. 
in cinema, rather, in Lawrenceville, the Pittsburgh Sweden Film Festival. And it's the title is a little confusing. It's people who have made their own versions of major movies. Yeah, like and they're it's like, like a cover tune, but with a movie. Yeah, but not even attempting to get anywhere near the production value of the original. Oh my God, we should do one. So they do like Star Wars, you know what I mean? Like with with no special no, effects. No, just handheld cameras and like, you know, <laughs> stuff they pick up around Puppets. the house or whatever. Yeah. So uh, Sean, we'll talk about that festival coming up 845. And uh, don't forget the DVE Comedy Festival is only two weeks away. Less than. Less than. And uh, there are tickets still available for the podcast day Saturday. We've got Doug Benson's Doug Loves Movies podcast. That is nearly sold out. And Burt Kreischer's Birdcast live Saturday, June 30th, day two of the DVE Comedy Festival weekend. And tickets available for both those at DVE.com. I never saw the first Incredibles. I don't know if I watched the whole thing, but I saw a, a lot of it, I think. I remember. It's pretty good. I ordered it in a hotel room. And was excited to watch it and fell asleep immediately <laughs> and never did finish it. That happens pretty much every time. I, I was thinking that the other day. I'm like, how can I search through the television for 30 minutes? And as <laughs> soon as I find something to watch, I fall asleep. I do that all the time. The, Saturday night, I was trying to find something. That's what I was, yeah. To, to fall asleep to. Because I just wanted to go to bed, but I just want to have something in the background. Mm-hmm. Just trying to go to sleep early. And I was looking for so long, I was like, I'm exhausted. <laughs> I know, that's <laughs> I just, what I did. I never found anything at all, and I did, looking exhausted me. I started watching some CIA documentary, and I was like, <laughs> immediately. Randy Bellman and the DVE Morning Show. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing that stinks, is that you spend so much time looking. When you finally commit to something, you're out anyway, so why do you... <laughs> I don't know. ...spend so much time being picky about what you end up watching? But the reason is because uh, apparently we don't get enough sleep. Uh, according to the study that you heard or that you read earlier this morning from the Penn State guy who said that now in today's new media world, we are all inundated with so much information that our body now requires an extra half hour of sleep. Yes. So keep that in mind while you're trying to finally get to that point of seven to eight hours of sleep a night that everybody's supposed to get. Ah, I got to push it a little more. That you need an actual uh, uh, extra 30 minutes to accommodate for your Facebook and Twitter use. <laughs> I'm done. You're done with social media completely? No, I'm done with sleep. Oh. I uh, No, I so can't take away. No, I can't take away time from social media like this, Val. <laughs> it's a crucial point in There's our... important stuff on there. Sure. How else would I read the same story 800 times looking for another story? <laughs> and that's what it is. Your brain gets tricked like it's playing like a slot machine. Like the next poll is going to be the winner. Yeah. And you just keep you right. looking over and over and over and you look at the same stuff so much. I think I have been able to get to the point where I, I, I do a few scrolls on Twitter and if I don't see any news breaking, you know, important stuff, I'm yeah. like, all right, there's nothing I need to see. If I'm bored, I go to it too much. If I'm sitting around with nothing to do, I automatically look at it and I have to stop that compulsion. Yeah. Like if you're lying at Giant Eagle... Oh yeah, any any second of downtime. Yeah, that's the one that I want to get away from. Mm-hmm. I did a fairly good job of staying off of it this weekend, by my standards, anyways. Just because I was busy the whole time. Yeah, but when I was traveling and I, I got stuck in the airport. Oh, what else are you gonna do? Yeah, I didn't. I mean, I had a book, but I was like, yeah, <laughs> a book. That book's always gonna be there. That book will always have the same exact words. My phone you has might- a dynamic miss something 
Yeah. On social media. That's right. You're not going to miss anything in the book. No, the book will be the exact same start not to finish. Not going away. There's no, there's no juice in that. Nothing's going to vanish. No. I'm not getting any serotonin hits from that, but if I flip it on and all of a sudden it's like, Le'Veon Bell living in a parrot cage, <laughs> rapping with, you know, Jay-Z. And Wiz Khalifa. Right. Then all of a sudden, the brain really starts twerking. Uh-oh. This will be good. The synapses start firing. Exactly. I hope everyone had a great weekend, even though it got super flipping hot. And today... No, uh, no rest for the uh, weary here, Val. I went to Franklin Saturday. It was 10 degrees cooler there than it was here. Yeah, I was in Erie Saturday. I was in Chicago Friday. It was 90, and then Erie was like low 70s yeah. on Saturday. Great days. Perfect. But uh, the, the city, boy, we always get Chicago's weather the day after, and yesterday uh, it was a scorcher in Chicago, so I'm guessing today, brutal here. Yep, here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Dormont Applied. Two degrees. It's 73 now at DVE. The news is brought to us by Xfinity from Comcast. A man claiming Roundup weed killer gave him cancer is taking the agrochemical giant Monsanto to court. Today, 46-year-old Dwayne Johnson will go head-to-head against the company after hundreds of cancer patients have sued Monsanto previously. Johnson was a former school groundskeeper who regularly used Roundup. Last year, over 800 patients sued Monsanto, claiming the weed killer gave them cancer. And I know Richie Walsh from Channel 2, I know his dad, they suspect, died as a result of exposure to weed killers. Really? Yeah. You know, there isn't. There are natural alternatives that you can use, but it is an absolute shame that uh, monsters like Monsanto continually get to do this to to uh, Americans. It mm-hmm. drives me up the wall. Yep. That Rachel Car- Carson documentary. Mm-hmm. Watch that about one of our most important Pittsburghers of all time, because she fought big Business. chemical back in the day over DDT, and they, you know, used the same kind of attacks against her. To say, like, no, no, this is healthy. The science isn't in yet. And she just kept fighting and uh, finally, you know, got it through everyone's head. Hey, I don't have an agenda here except protecting people. Mm -hmm. Their agenda is completely different. Yes, it kills lots of mosquitoes. It does lots of other bad stuff, too. And I think Roundup, uh, people are kind of at that point. Yeah. Have you used it before? Oh, I'm sure, yeah. I definitely did. And then somebody uh, hit me to this. There's a like natural one that hardware stores sell mm-hmm. that works just as well. Good. A code orange air quality alert, uh, speaking of the environment, has been issued by the Pennsylvania Department of Environmental Protection for parts of our area. The alert is in effect for today, which means air pollution concentrations in the area may become unhealthy for sensitive groups like kids, the elderly, and people with asthma. Areas impacted include Allegheny, Butler, Beaver, Armstrong, Washington, Westmoreland, and Fayette counties. A new survey has found 14% of respondents said they had gotten it on at the office and 19% said they'd been caught in the act. The survey by adult toy store Eden Fantasies revealed that 44% of Americans have had an office romance. Not surprisingly, 92% of those who have had an office romance said it made them more excited to come to work. (laughs) Of course it would. Of course it would, yeah. More than 50% said it actually made them more productive at work, Uh, but most office flings stay hidden. 70% of those in a workplace romance saying they kept their relationship secret. 
10% of survey respondents said they have had sex with their boss, and 34% of those who did uh, have sex with their boss said they did it to get ahead in the workplace. <laughs> well, I didn't realize that still happened. Oh, to get ahead in the world. Okay, yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Oh, right. <laughs> um, I, uh, I, I can't help but just picture this workplace when you tell that story, so it seems <laughs> impossible. You know, I'm not thinking about some big huge office building somewhere or some huge business i'm thinking about like my dad's carpet store right. or I'm here sh- and i'm, I'm like, sure everybody um, does i don't think it's happened i don't really yeah. think it has happened here i don't think so either i mean it's a relatively small uh group of employees maybe like interns late at night some point in the last 35 years 40 years who had yeah. to do like they might you know so, but who has time or to hook up here overnight jocks Overnight jocks for sure. (laughs) For sure. They just put on a yes record and go do it in the next room. Right. Uh, Maybe this is why I'm a happy drunk. A new study out of Spain has found that people are happier when they drink white wine. As opposed to? Red wine. Red wine makes you more aggressive. Uh, Okay. And it also makes people feel guilty when they drink red wine. Uh, researchers found women seemed to realize the difference, so they gravitated toward white wine so they could feel happier. Men either didn't realize what was going on or didn't care because they just kept going for the red. I can't do more than two glasses of red wine on a school night. Yeah? Does it give you a hangover? Not because not it gets me too drunk, because the sugar in it. So it makes you feel like crap the next day? No, I just wake up in the middle of the night. And well, eat cereal? And eat Kashi cereal, which gives me tremendous bloat. <laughs> a child's refusal to eat his veggies got out of hand when he called 911 to get police to back him up. Officers in Halifax, Nova Scotia, got an emergency call from a 12-year-old boy who said his parents made him a salad he didn't want to eat. Okay, a 5-year-old calling 911 to complain. That's cute. A 12-year-old should know better. Uh, A few minutes later, he called again asking why they hadn't responded and that his parents still said he had to eat the salad. Officers did eventually pay a visit to the family and gave them a very stern lecture about the proper use of 911. A police department spokesperson said, while many can relate to the dislike of a salad at times, this raises a more important issue that warrants discussion at all ages. The improper use of 911 is an issue with all age groups and it ties up valuable resources preventing emergency first responders from dealing with real emergencies. That kid is going to be the 30-year-old that won't leave his parents' house and has to be sued. <laughs> Guy, you know, there's no question about it. <laughs> Calling 911 about eating your salad. They should have showed up and stormtroopered right into the house and uh, just shoved it down his gullet. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, uh, Chris Hardwick's new AMC talk show has been pulled from the schedule after his ex-girlfriend accused the producer and host of Talking Dead of sexual abuse. Actress and model Chloe Dykstra, who dated him from 2011 to 2014, wrote an essay on Medium last week charging Chris with inflicting long-lasting trauma, physical and emotional, on her and said she was obligated to have sex with him. She also accused the Nerdist founder of blacklisting her after they broke up. On Saturday, Chris denied the allegation, saying, quote, Our three-year relationship was not perfect. We were ultimately not a good match and argued, even shouted at each other. 
but I loved her and did my best to uplift and support her as a partner and companion in any way. At no time did I sexually assault her. When we were living together, I found out Chloe had cheated on me and I ended the relationship. For several weeks after we broke up, she asked me to get back together and even told me she wanted to have kids with me, build a life with me, and told me I was the one but I did not want to be with someone who was unfaithful, end quote. In a statement Saturday, AMC said, quote, we have had a positive working relationship with Chris Hardwick for many years. We take the troubling allegations that surfaced yesterday very seriously. While we assess the situation, talking with Chris Hardwick uh, will not air on AMC. Uh, The second season of the show was set to kick off last night. And his gig hosting the NBC game show The Wall also in jeopardy. The network said it is continuing to assess the situation and will take appropriate action on the outcome. Uh, Since 2016, Chris has been married to model and actress Lydia Hurst, who is the daughter of Patty Hurst. Yeah, how about that? Uh, That whole story was, I'd only uh, seen a little bit of it in the headlines and didn't get into all of the details until much later. And she she claims, the the woman who wrote his Mm ex-girlfriend, that she's got video of him abusing her and, you know... Told him basically, like, before you deny it, don't forget, I have tapes. Mm-hmm. Shocking revelations uh, about a guy that nobody would have suspected this about, but that seems to be the case a lot of the time. Right. Who <clears throat> would have suspected Bill Cosby? But it just moves so quickly in this media age. I, it, it gets printed when? Thursday? Mm-hmm. And by Thursday, Monday, Friday. he's lost all of his shows. Yeah. He lost all of that stuff. A few days later, Nerdist, uh, which was the company he founded, he sold it in 2013, they immediately dropped any affiliation with his name. He hadn't been like involved in the day-to-day operations like he had in the past Mm -hmm. for some time, but he was still strongly associated with the company, and they just completely wiped him him clean from uh, from the uh, company's website. Do you think that means that they... Believe it? Like, well, this is totally believable. Yeah, we w- we're not surprised by this. I mean, that's my inclination. Yeah. That, and I didn't see if, like, those who work around him on the Nerdist podcast, which is now called Idiot or something, uh, like Jonah, Ray Rodriguez, uh, and those guys, I don't know what sta- if they made a statement or if mm-hmm. they've said anything at I all. I haven't seen anything else. Um, but typically, the backing of those around you would, uh, or lack thereof, could kind of indicate which way things are going to go right. but i i don't know i mean i don't it just moves so fast allegations boom everything's gone mm-hmm. hot and humid as i said earlier there is an air quality alert today temperatures in the low to mid 90s it's 74 at dve and he must be a if that stuff is true i mean he is a total creep yeah well. it was like you didn't get too far into specifics no, that she no, talked about yeah but I mean, what a creep! But because it, it goes a little beyond bad boyfriend at that point. Yes. Yeah. Because everybody's been in a bad relationship. Where you're like, this guy's a jerk, and then it turns into like some horrific Fifty Shades of Grey gone bad. Yeah. Which is what that sounded like. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Well, the world's an absolute cesspool. Later right. on, we're going to talk with Jerry Dulac about the U.S. <laughs> Open. Sean Collier will talk about something. This is something you can feel good about. I think this is a great idea they're doing at Rojas Cinema. We'll tell you about the Pittsburgh Sweeted Film Fest and how uh, Pittsburgh independent filmmakers are coming together and making their own versions of popular movies. 
the Jack Black movie, Be Kind Rewind, inspired this. Mm-hmm. It's a movie where they lost the rights to rent videos and rent movies, so they created their own versions of the movies <laughs> to rent out. And they called them Sweded versions, like they were from Sweden or something. So they would like, oh, we got to Swede this movie. So it's the Pittsburgh Sweded Film Fest that's going on. Sean will talk about that. And Sally Wigan will remember a legend in Pittsburgh Broadcasting, Joe DiNardo. Sally will join us after 9 o'clock. What a wonderful man. Did you get to see the Clarks on Saturday? I did not. I was in Franklin. You were in Franklin. Family, yeah. Yeah, and I was up in Erie. I heard rave reviews. Me too. And... Uh, Scott posted a video of of him playing in the encore with one of the guys from Cello Fury. It mm-hmm. was just like Scott with the guitar and the cello at the end. It looked incredible. And what a great idea for those guys to have an all-star band that was that played their first album as an opener. Yeah, start to finish. How cool is that? <laughs> that's, that's a pretty cool tribute. I really wanted to be there for that because I thought it was going to be a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah, that show's always a good time. Um, so... Congrats to the Clarks on yet another great album. I heard Joe Clark's "Help Me Out." It's a classic. It's uh, you can just tell right there that Tom Petty influence on that band going forward. I mean, <laughs> I, I would imagine having heard that the first time, you had to think like, "Oh, dude, it's like the Pittsburgh Heartbreakers." <laughs> yeah, Tom, um, Rob was part of the Pittsburgh plays Petty yeah. event two Fridays ago at Jurgles. Uh, he does uh, Rob, or yeah. he does uh, Mike Campbell. Uh, as good as anybody. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt about that. But uh, he's uh, still that unique Rob James. There's no doubt about it. Uh, all right. Mike's got your sports when we return. U.S. Open gets a repeat. The Buckos failed to sweep. They came real darn close, though. Uh, and uh, don't forget, uh, a little bit later on this morning, we will be talking with Jerry Dulac about that U.S. Open. The, the Phil Mickelson thing still confounds me. <laughs> why he did that or why you're allowed to do that, if you didn't see, he pulled like just like a putt-putt, like a miniature golf move. At the U.S. Open, he hit a putt that was already moving. <laughs> Tried to <laughs> I love that redirect it. it. Let's make that part of the rule. Apparently, it is. Well, it's still two shots. Some form of it penalty, but uh, uh, fill the thrill. The hefty lefty had a pretty rotten weekend in the heat at Shattuck. All right, Mike's got your sports coming up next. DVE. The- DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. Mike, what's going on? Parts. Uh- had a shot to sweep the Reds yesterday afternoon at PNC Park, but they couldn't get it done. A bad start from Joe Musgrove and a bad finish from Edgar Santana. It all added up to an 8-6 Cincinnati victory. The Bucks settle for two out of three on the weekend and uh, fall back to a game under 500 at 35-36. and 23,042. The paid attendance announced at PNC Park for Father's Day yesterday. Is that a good crowd or a bad crowd? It's a better crowd for the Pirates. But what does it mean, big picture? Well, you had 27,000 on Saturday, 23,000 on Sunday. The heat index over 100. It was brutally hot. Uh, and I'm sure that was discouraging a lot of people from going. In the past, that Father's Day game has been pretty crowded. But uh, I think... I think if it wasn't so hot, a lot more people would have shown up. But because this, you know, I don't want to call it a boycott, but because people have been avoiding you mean the uh, Mark Madden led boycott, Mark Madden instigated boycott. Since people had been avoiding the games up to this point, because of the Mark Madden instigated boycott, I think it was easier to say, you know what, let's not deal with the heat. If that had not been in effect, you probably would have saw a bigger crowd dealing with the heat yesterday, but not as big of a crowd if it were seventy-two degrees. 
What I'm trying to say is I don't think everybody has bailed on the Buckos because the television ratings belie that. Well, we might have to rename this team the Three Bears, if not the Bad News Bears, because early in the season it was too cold. Now it's too hot. <laughs> Apparently it's got to be just right for people to go to the old ballpark. 15 uh, home dates yesterday in Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. Typical Sunday, right? Sure. Fa- Father's Day. Seven uh, teams drew 40,000 or more. Eight teams drew 30,000 or more. The Pirates outdrew three teams. Baltimore, which is a Major League uh, Baseball worst 20 and 50, drew 21,421 for a win over Miami, which is admittedly a poor draw on the other end. Yeah. Kansas City, the second worst team in Major League Baseball, drew 22,326 for a loss against Houston. Yeah, but how hot was it? Kansas City is probably pretty damn hot. <laughs> right. I mean, can, oh, I bet it was I, sizzling out there. Yeah, because Chicago was brutal yesterday. And then uh, the other team, the Pirates, outdrew the Oakland uh, Athletics, drew 21,217. The A's are 36 and 36, but they have arguably the worst stadium it, in Major League it Baseball. It looks like it's falling apart mid game. The stadium. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just brutal. It's hideous. So, right, happy that, I, so happy I get to go there this fall for a football game. That does not bode well for the Buckos. That uh, yeah. that contextualizes it a little bit differently. I was impressed with the twenty-seven thousand people who showed up for a mid-afternoon game Saturday. The boy, I tell you what, going to that and then walking over to the Clark's ga- uh, show would have been a great one-two punch. Yes, it would have. I wish I could have been able to do that. Through thirty-five home dates this year, the Pirates have drawn more than twenty thousand twelve times. Now, three of them were this weekend. Um. Three of them were the Andrew McCutcheon Giants visit, so that's kind of artificial, atypical at least. Mm-hmm. And two of them were the first two games of the year against Minnesota. So you're so, saying people continue to stay away in droves? I am. It's not who's showing up; it's who's not there. You know, if I'm Bob Nutting, I'm not looking. Oh, we've got twenty three thousand people to pay. I'm thinking, why did we get fifteen thousand people to not pay? And well, the answer is obvious. It's the money he's not making that drives me crazy. He, if he would put a little more into this, he could make so much more than he's making. But there would be a little risk associated. So you're with saying that. it's bad business, not just bad baseball. Right. Isn't it? Why would you sell something for five bucks when you could get ten? You know what I mean? Like, I, look, I, you know, sell something to one person when you could sell to more people. Well, maybe the fans are finally taking a stand here. The people are speaking, Mike. Pirates are 26th. In Major League Baseball, an average attendance at 17,406. They are outdrawing the White Sox, the A's, Tampa Bay, and Miami. Think they'll uh, make any moves to try and get people a little more excited about the ball club? Well, General Manager Neil Huntington says they're working on it. Uh, He was speaking to a bunch of people uh, yesterday. Uh, Adam Berry of MLB.com said Huntington had this to say regarding attendance. Quote, our job is to put a winning team on the field, to put a team on the field that these fans want to come support. We have a great core fan base. We have people that love to come to PNC Park and love baseball. Our job is to put a team on the field to draw that next wave of fans back out again. We're going to do everything in our power to do that. Maybe round up a few people at gunpoint and force them across the Clemente Bridge. (laughs) Get in there. At hot dog gunpoint, you mean? Yes. Right. Yes. 
Uh, Milwaukee's in town for the first of three tonight. That would be the first place Brewers at 42 and 29. They're seven games ahead of the fourth place Pirates, who are 35 and 36. Jolice Chassin, who's been on fire, faces Trevor Williams tonight. Williams has been struggling. I'm going to go to at least one of these Brewers games. This is an interesting well, juncture. Twenty-seven thousand and one. I don't know. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Well, that, those are tough. But and it's, it's hot again. But it is uh, a big series, such as you know they can be in mid-June. No, because you need to have your team in contention on July fourth. I mean, that's always the the barometer of where are you. Yeah. Around midsummer point, you know, if you if you can turn the corner there and. Getting a little momentum going into the All-Star game, it completely changes the second half Make of the some season. noise, be over 500, be within five games of the lead. You got a shot, right? Yeah. If not, you don't. Uh, Brooks Kapka won his second straight U.S. Open, outlasting the competition and the conditions at Shinnecock Hills. He carded a 268 in the final round yesterday and finished the tournament one over. That was one shot better than England's Tommy Fleetwood, who carded a 63 Became the sixth player in U.S. Open history to fire a 63, and he was uh, an eight-foot birdie putt on 18 away from a 62. Fleetwood was two over for the tournament, seven under yesterday. Dustin Johnson, even yesterday, uh, finished third at plus three. Uh, And in the World Cup, uh, things are still reverberating literally and physically from Mexico's 1-0 victory over Germany. You might recall Val's story today about... uh, the celebration, registering, earthquake-like response in yeah. Mexico. Uh, it's also gotten the attention of FIFA, which says it's investigating reports of Mexico fans chanting a homophobic slur during the team's <laughs> win over Germany. Mexican supporters People are awful everywhere. Some Mexican supporters chanted the slur when Germany goalkeeper Manuel Neuer prepared to take a goal kick at the 24th minute. FIFA says it's collecting different match reports, potential evidence in regards to the matter, including one from the anti-discrimination match observer who was present at the game. What are they going to do? Well, they fined uh, the Mexican Football Federation previously on a number of occasions. Apparently this is a Mexican tradition to chant at the other goal. Homophobic slurs? Yes. <laughs> uh, the court... <laughs> A tradition, I like that. A tradition of bigotry. It's what they do. The Court of Arbitration for Sport canceled two fines against Mexico in November, deciding that the chant was insulting, but not meant to offend. (laughs) You know. I think they need to look up the definition of the word insulting. Or offend. Yeah. (laughs) The guy got tripped, but he embellished. By the way, that was Germany's first loss in a World Cup opener since 1982. Germany's the defending champ and ranked number one. Oh, yeah. Three of the past four uh, defending champs have failed to make it out of the group stage. Germany coach uh, Joachim Lowe says that's not going to be a problem for his team. Quote, we will not suffer that fate. We will make it to the next round. We have ways of making it out of the group stage. My brother was watching the World Cup on his phone because you can watch it on your phone through the Fox Sports app. Which is ridiculous. Clarity was unbelievable. Sitting in our backyard at my dad's house yesterday for Father's Day, eating omelets and watching the World Cup. And I was really paying attention. And he goes, Well, Mexico just beat Germany. And I was like, Really? Yes. 
God, that was expensive. <laughs> I'm like, oh, man. I didn't know your fun. Let, let me know. That would have made it a little yeah. interesting. We'd have been gathered around the phone, just like in the old days, watching the World Cup, just like our grandparents did. Jerry Dulac will talk about that bizarre world, or U.S. Open, rather. Also, Sean Collier talking about the Pittsburgh Sweeted Film Fest, which is going on at the Row House Cinema, which just, it's such a cool idea. Independent filmmakers recreating low-budget versions of film cinema classics. And also, Sally Wigan will remember her longtime co-worker and Pittsburgh broadcasting legend, Joe DiNardo, at 9.15. Portions of this broadcast are brought to you by our sponsors, Swampison. Are you suffering through the pain and discomfort associated with swamp ass? My swamp ass is so bad, I'm worried there may be gators living in there. Tried all the other remedies to no avail? If I put any more gold bond on my taint, I'm gonna fart a minty biscuit! Well now, there's Swampacin. The once-a-day pill that alleviates the pain and discomfort of swamp ass. But how does it work? Swampison works by shutting off the sweat valves to your taint and rectum. <laughs> so you can enjoy yourself on a hot summer day without feeling like your ass is an unkempt water park. Thanks to Swampison, I can go golfing without having to throw out my underwear at the turn. My taint doesn't feel like it's a pool slide anymore. I haven't had to hit the men's room for a mind sweep all day long. Some patients experience dry or itchy taint, scaly labia, and lizard balls while taking Swampacin. Be sure to ask your doctor if Swampacin is right for you. Get back to enjoying your summer. Wipe out swamp ass with Swampacin. And the DV morning show, uh, Highway to Hell, it feels like that out there today. Yeah, yes. That was a very FM DJ thing to say. <laughs> It's Highway to day. hell, it's going to feel like that out there today. It's a pretty it's, hot one as you're headed into work today. Gross. How are you? I'm Shaky McGraves. <laughs> I just said Shaky Graves for some reason, as if that isn't already a person. Um, gross. So today. hot. Ridiculous. Did you know Permanis gave away free sandwiches yesterday to fathers? I did see that. I wish I would have known that. Would have took your dad there. No, I would have taken your dad. Borrowed my buddy's kid and gone and got myself a <laughs> cab egg and cheese. I've wondered before how. Settle they... down, son. This little rascal, just like his old man. <laughs> like, he's black. Yeah, I know, <laughs> but you know. Um, no, my dad didn't have permanies. We got him what he wanted, which was SOS. Oh, that's good. A big hunkin' order it... of cream chip. Beef. Okay, you do that. See, which what, is bleep on a shingle. Yeah. When I was growing up, it was a creamed hamburger on toast. It's the same thing. Right. Yeah. Just a different meat. Yeah, and it was. I mean, it was gargantuan. It's so. I made it a few years ago. I'm like, you know what? I haven't had this in a really long time. It was pretty good. Both my brother and my dad, they were wearing matching shirts. They said intentionally. Yeah, my dad's been wearing the shirt for forever, and then when like anybody became or my brothers became parents, he gave them the same shirt. It says, it's a Dadzilla shirt. Nice. And it looks like Godzilla, yeah. like trampling all through a, a city, except it's like a dad with a green face, and he's got like a newspaper and <laughs> a tie. He looks like an old businessman from Slippers. the 50s, like, oh, okay. you know, yeah. type, of, type of thing. Um, Darren Stevens <clears throat> from 
Yes, Bewitched. something like that. But yeah, we went. He went cre- cream chipped beef. Yeah, did he make it or did, did he order it somewhere? <laughs> no, Where did I, you get that? I had to get it to go from the place he loved. Oh, nice. I ordered it, and then they're like, "Name." I go, "Bomb," and they go, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> like, they're like, that "Oh, you should have just told us this is for your dad." Standard order. He's now wearing pants that have back pockets on the front pockets. Okay. I don't know what they are. Uh, He's like, I tell you what, I can put my phone in there, and I'm like, just wear a fanny pack. <laughs> Oh, yes. Do it. Just bring it back. Go straight fanny pack. You should call them granny packs for older people. (laughs) That would be appropriate. What do you got coming up? Grandma, grandpa. If you had sore testicles, would that be reason enough for you to threaten to kill your neighbors? Uh, Depends how much I like my neighbors and how sore my testicles were. (laughs) One guy did it. We'll talk about it coming up. A child's refusal to eat his veggies got out of hand when he called 911 to get police to back him up. Officers in Halifax, Nova Scotia, got an emergency call from a 12-year-old boy who said his parents made him a salad he didn't want to eat. Okay, a 5-year-old calling 911 to complain. That's cute. A 12-year-old should know better. That kid is going to be the 30-year-old that won't leave his parents' house and has to be sued. (laughs) guy you know there's no question about it <laughs> calling 911 about eating your salad they should have showed up and stormtroopered right into the house and uh, just shoved it down his gullet yeah <laughs> randy bellman and the dve morning show were you ever uh, i don't want to eat my vegetables kind of kid oh yeah i remember one time being sent to my room for not eating creamed potatoes and peas yeah well why wouldn't you that's delicious I didn't like peas. I did, still did, don't like peas. Did your mom make you like eat it later? No. My mom would do she, that. She sent me to my room and that was it. I couldn't pray. I couldn't play with my friend Laura. My mom would save it and uh, be like, well, when you're hungry, it's here. When you want to eat, <laughs> this is what you have to eat, which that never worked because I could wait it out until it went bad. Right. But my grandmother had the best way to make you eat your food and- you know, my grandmother, old Irish lady who, uh, you know, had it tough, eight kids, raised them all on her own. Her husband died wow. when he was like 34 Some tough from women tuberculosis and uh, tuberculosis, tuberculosis. Yeah. And anyways, she used to yell at us and she was awesome and hilarious and she was never really mean. But this is the one thing, thing she did that scared the hell out of me. She'd be like, if you don't finish that. You're going to lick it off the devil's tail. <laughs> and we were what? like, oh, my God, I'll eat it. <laughs> I don't want to get a hell. When you're a kid, hell is horrifying. The, devil. the yeah. church scares the bejesus yep. in and out of you. I re- yes. Uh, over and over again, when you're a little kid, all of your psychosis is, oh, my God, I don't want to go to hell. Oh, hell sounds the worst. I remember our preacher saying, don't run in the church unless the devil's chasing you. <laughs> Which, well. a smart kid who knew the Bible probably could have said, isn't he always chasing me? You know, looking off the devil's tail, though, sounded like, <laughs> I mean. It's pretty oh. horrifying. Well, you know, unless it needed to be reheated, then it might have been handy. <laughs> Going to sear it nicely. Oh, speaking of that, I wonder how many news places will fry an egg on a I love when they dashboard. Do that. Although it's Just only to a- give you an idea of yeah. how hot it is, we sent our junior reporter outside to crack eggs onto a, a Hyundai. Although it's not long term, so maybe it will... Three-day heat been- wave? I think so, yeah. It's just weird the extremes we've had. Yeah, I mean, it was in the 
50s beginning of last week overnight, right? Right. Jacket weather. But it was pouring rain and crappy, and then... uh, it's August again. No spring. No spring. We've had a fall (laughs) and a dead of summer. We have two two seasons. And it's the middle of June right now. Yeah. Um, Valerie... What do you got going on? Yes, sir. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast brought to us by Bridgeville Appliance. Two degrees. It is 76 degrees now at DVE. I'm Val Porter. A day to honor slain New Kensington officer Brian Shaw is taking place next month. Mayor Tom Guzzo announced the first annual Brian Shaw New Kensington Community Day. It will happen on July 7th. The mayor says it will be a way to remember Officer Shaw while participating in the real spirit of community. A new business in Pensacola is hoping a mural of late celebrity chef Anthony Bourdain will raise awareness about suicide prevention. According to WEAR-TV in Pensacola, the mural is on the exterior exterior wall of a health food restaurant and juice bar. It will include the phone number for the National Suicide Prevention Hotline and the number for a text support line for young people. The restaurant's owner says he hopes it will make people aware there is help for people who are depressed or feeling suicidal. Anthony Bourdain was found dead in France earlier this month from an apparent suicide. Well, I've said it before, if criminals would only use their skills and and put those skills to work for good, this would be such a better place. A hacker has revealed some of the things people do that put them at risk online. Uh, The four biggest include not changing your password regularly. If you've been using the uh, same password for years, you better change it, especially if you use it for multiple sites. Do you uh, have the same password all over the place? No. How do you remember it? Uh, Sometimes it takes a while. (laughs) So you have like four or five to choose from? Yeah. I have like, a, yeah, I, I have a similar thing where I have a variation on a theme mm-hmm. that I, in every single time, I feel like my mom calling her kids, she right. gets it wrong until, you know, she says everyone until she finally lands on the right answer. And you keep putting them in until you're locked out for the day. Oh, that's the most annoying thing ever, too. Or they ask you, you need to change your password because you don't remember it. <laughs> Well, it's just becoming so easy for people to hack into your accounts now and steal all your stuff mm-hmm. that I don't even want to mess around. Yeah. Our company just instituted this insane password policy. Have you had to change your password yet? No. I had to do it. I mean, we had to call in like IT professionals from around the globe <laughs> to change my password for the iHeart um, uh, email account. Yeah. It has to have like four characters that aren't a number or a capital letter. There's got to be like, how I don't know, an emoji in the it? middle of it, I think. I'm not even sure. <laughs> how in the world would you remember it? If it has to have all those weird So one trick requirements. is to use figures that look like the letters you might use. So say okay. your password would be... Um, password. You'd use dollar signs for S's? Yes, dollar signs for S's and use that weird O thing with a line through it for the O or whatever. Yeah. You have to go to great lengths. Basically, you're going to be, it's just going to be a pain in the ass to put your password in for the iHeart account going forward. But that will stop people from hacking in and getting our secrets about uh, our playlists and, and all the meetings and how Eddie Money has been holding us hostage for 40 years. They also say posting a photo of your house key is a bad idea, which I was like, why? Who does that? But apparently people, (laughs) when they get a new house, 
they they post a picture of the key and say, hey, I'm, yeah. a, I'm a homeowner now. Remarkably easy to copy that. Yes. They said it is quite possible to make a copy of your key and get in your house. And if the photo is, uh, like, if the location is tagged on it, then they know exactly where you live. If your teenager posts a photo of their brand new driver's license, bad idea. Hackers can use it to steal an identity. Actually, you don't. if you post it, you don't even have to be a hacker to do that. And not looking at what's in the background of your photos before you post them, like taking a selfie at your desk and not realizing your, all your passwords that you can't remember. There's a list of them taped up on your computer. Well, uh, Bert has done that before where he tweets out pictures and people can see what's on his browser. Yeah. And he has like porn sites. <laughs> and they're like, hey, dummy, close out your porn browser before. He probably doesn't care. No. Uh, so, yeah, those are the four things hackers say you should do to to uh, risk being exposed online. A Florida man was arrested for screaming at neighbors and threatening to kill them, all because his testicles hurt. <laughs> Police got the call about a 32-year-old man possibly on drugs and threatening to kill the neighbors with a gun. Officers found the man soaked with sweat and clearly panicked. He told them his testicles were hurting and he believed he had parasites from swimming in a nearby creek. <laughs> Which, um, maybe he watched an episode of Monsters Inside Me and self-diagnosed. Because those little tiny fish in in the Amazon swim up your urethra. Yeah, well, this guy was in Florida, so I'm not sure. All right. Uh, he apparently had a cell phone, uh, but nobody, he had smashed it in a fit of rage because his testicles hurt so bad. So none of his neighbors would let him use their phone. So then he was screaming at them that he was going to kill them. Uh, police say he was apologetic, but they did still arrest him. I don't know if he's had his testicles examined or not. You could have just told me that story and said, guess where this <laughs> happened? Would not have been I'm hard. to do that moving forward. Yeah, not hard to figure out that was a Florida story. <laughs> also, that's something that never happens to the wealthy. You never see the wealthy threatening to murder their neighbors because their testicles hurt. This is true. Seems to be specifically true. geared towards people who live on the beach. <laughs> well, marriage is not easy, and sometimes it's just one little thing that can send it off a cliff. Police in Brookfield, Wisconsin, got a call a few weeks ago from a movie theater about a potential domestic violence situation between a husband and wife. Uh, the couple ordered popcorn. And the wife secretly put salt on it, which the husband absolutely hates. So when he figured out what happened, he loudly pronounced, That's it! The marriage is over! I break with thee! I break with thee! He also used it as a metaphor for her doing things behind his back, like having an affair. He was so pissed off he wanted to leave the theater, but she grabbed his keys to keep him from leaving. That's when... Uh, theater employees called police things did never uh, get to a physical point so that's fortunate nobody was arrested uh, but there's no word on whether they actually whether he actually went through with his threat to end it all i don't understand how this became a story how did how did we learn all the details of this couple's relationship the cops showed up is that what it was a, yes. a police report was filed yes. okay yeah yeah they should probably not be married <laughs> Hot and humid, a swampy day today. Air quality alert, temperatures in the 90s at 75 at DVE. The U.S. Open this uh, past weekend, a repeat winner with Brooks Kapka. Joining us right now, Jerry Dulac, who is, uh, of course, Pittsburgh Post-Gazette's uh, very own and football writer, but golf expert extraordinaire, Jerry D. Were you in Southampton this weekend? 
No, Randall, I was not, unfortunately. Um, I have not gone to the past uh, two U.S. Opens. Uh, you know, those the things called budgets, you know, they start cutting and tightening. <laughs> and uh, But unfortunately, I wasn't there because if that's not my favorite U.S. Open venue, it's among the top three. And, uh, yeah, uh, the good thing is I didn't have to deal with the traffic on Long Island. Right, which is absolutely brutal brutal uh all the time but especially this weekend and brooks capco uh he he repeats but here's my question for you the phil mickelson thing i still do not understand what the hell he was thinking on the 72nd (laughs) hole when he pulled that putt putt move now did he consciously do that knowing that it would only cost him two strokes or did he was that just a reaction do you think and then whatever the uh, penalty was going to be he was willing to pay it yeah you know when jo- john daly let me go backward a little bit randall john daly did this a number of years ago at the memorial where he took like 13 and he was playing hockey with the ball while it was moving uh you know right around the cup um that was just like frustration and anger and john's mental issues <laughs> right this, um this was a little different i think um I, you know, I think it was a little bit of frustration, but I don't think there's any doubt. It was a deliberate attempt to stop his ball from going even farther down the green, uh, you know, off the green, excuse me. So, um, you know, if he would have just if he would have just let it go off the green or wherever it would have ended up, he still, if he, let's just say it rolled off the green and he pitched it up and he two-putted, he still would have taken only about a seventh. He wouldn't have taken an eight, and then when he did what he did, of course, then he had the two-shot penalty, and he ended up with a ten. Um, I think, I think, um, he knew what he was doing, and he thought, you know what, I'm not, I, I'm not letting that ball go back down there, and so he, he hit it. And I, I mean, I think he was well aware that he took a, a, a two-shot penalty, but to me, uh, you know, and I'm a big field guy, I'm surprised. To me, he should have been disqualified because that was a blatant attempt to uh, just, uh, you know, kind of. Uh, not only help his cause, but, you know, flout the rules, break the rules, whatever you want to call it. And, um, you know, all he was assessed was a two-shot penalty. I think I think the spirit of the rule there should have been applied. He said that he, he was never aware that that could have been the case of disqualification. But I, I, I just think that's what should have happened in that case. Yeah, do, do you think that his star power played into his not being DQ'd? Uh, uh, I think absolutely. I think the same thing happened uh, with Tiger a number of years ago at the Masters when he took an illegal drop uh, on uh, 15 at, uh, at Augusta, and then they called in the next day. Somebody said he didn't drop in the right place, and they ended up they ended up giving him a penalty, but not disqualification for signing a wrong scorecard. And I think they did that because it was Tiger, and they didn't want to kick him out of his out of their tournament. So I think the same thing happened with Phil. Oh, sorry, Mike. Here you go. Do you think the blowback from this, Jerry? We're not going to see guys doing this every week now. It's oh, em- yeah, I don't think it's embarrassing think enough that it'll it'll kind of go away. I, I mean, it's it, it's 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 as embarrassing as it was surprising, especially coming from a guy who has such um, you know respect for the game. It's so well revered, and is such a great champion of the game. Um, that's what made it even more surprising that Phil Mickelson would, could do it. Would do it. You would. I could see one of these other hotheads, uh, some young guy doing it. But I, I, I've never seen that short of what John Daly did. And again, what he did, he was just playing hockey right around the hole. So this was a little, you know, this was a little different. So 
Um, I, yeah, I think that's what everybody was just was shocked about. And um, no, I don't think we'll see it again. I'm sure we won't because there's really no advantage in it. And again, if he would have just let the ball go and then played it in from there, I think he still, you know, I, he still would have not, not had to take a ten. That's for sure. I don't think he he improved his lot. Was it frustration? Yeah, but it, it, to me, it just seemed. I, I, hey, again, I don't know what it was, to be perfectly honest, because who knows what the heck he was thinking. Well, you know, it's like uh, Lee Westwood pointed out in a tweet and other golfers have, well, people could start taking advantage of this now. If the ball is about to go into the drink and you run over and hit it, you find yourself in a better situation than if you let it go into the water. That's exactly right. And and um, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I can't believe that he would have fought that – I. I it's not that he wouldn't have thought it ahead of time, but I don't think in the heat of the moment he's thinking that. But, again, I don't know what he's thinking, but that's exactly right, Randall. You could, the same thing could happen there and, and avoid, uh, you know, uh, you know, avoid uh, a hazard or something. But it, it was just so bizarre that I'm not sure anybody, including Phil, knows what he was thinking. Uh, he said, apparently, according to his wife, Phil Mickelson was willing to withdraw. Right. That's what he said. Well, he yeah, and he called the USDA to say, was it was that uh, you know was that terms uh, you know what I did should have that merited disqualification or should I withdraw? And they said no, absolutely not. It's just a penalty for hitting a moving ball. But you know that penalty for hitting a moving ball was not put in to deliberately hit a moving ball. It was put in there in case you hit a moving ball. Uh, right. Know, so that that's kind of the the intent of the rule. So when somebody again, that's why they you know feel violated the spirit of the rule. Um, you know so, that, that that's that's where the difference comes in. So it'd be more like for like a double hit on a putt or something like that. Yeah, right, exactly. Or you know, I mean, if you, again, like John Daly did, where you just go up there, you tap it around the hole, and it doesn't go in, and it's still moving, and you tap it again. You know, that was clear, just frustration. That was John being John. This was different. This this had the appearance of being contrived. But, again, I don't know how you're standing over it and thinking, look, if I miss this, I'm going to go run. And if you see after he misses the putt, he kind of waits, and he thinks, hey, you know what, I'm going to run after this. I don't want that going back down the slope. It was just strange. Totally strange. Well, what did you uh, think about the course conditions and the uh, the scores being what they were? I personally like to see that. I like when good golfers have a hard time with the course. Yeah, I'm a big fan of of par being a good, uh, you know, a, a good score in, in an open. I think, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, they let it get away from them again on a couple holes on Saturday. You know, what I find funny about all that is before the event, and I even had uh, I even had a guy from the USGA, their guy who's in charge of uh, uh, the Open Championship, uh, Jeff Hall, and and he talked about wanting to avoid a repeat of 2004 where when I was there for that. Um, and they have, with all the technology now, with, with the weather forecast, they have these firmness meters. They have these moisture meters that they place in the ground and can read how firm and moist the ground is. And with all this technology, that shouldn't happen again. And guess what? It happened again. And then they said they misread the wind forecast. Well, that's exactly what they were talking about. All this technology they have at their disposal to uh, avoid uh, a repeat of 2004, and guess what? They had a repeat of 2004. So, um, all in all, you know, the course was 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 at Shinnecock, and it played the way it should play. But I think they they well, and they admitted they blew it on a couple holes, and uh, they lost control of the golf course on several of the holes, 
and um, you know, even the announcers were critical. You know, they, and what happened, Randall, is they put they put pin positions in places where when the greens get that firm and fast, they're impossible to to get it. You know, good good shots not only were being rewarded. I mean, uh, not being rewarded, they were being penalized, and that was the problem. And so, you know, once again, they'll be. They became part of the story, as they always seem to do at an Open Championship. And once again, they will be criticized left and right. Jerry, what's your uh, number one take coming out of the Steelers offseason, OTAs and minicamp? Um, you know, Mike, I, I think a lot of people want to make a big deal based on the questions I get, the tweets I receive, the questions I get in chats that, you know, here they go again with all this drama, you know, Antonio Brown. Uh, you know, maybe not so much Ben not being there, but of course the Le'Veon Bell thing. Um, you know, I, I, you know, in the off season, I don't, I don't buy into that a whole lot. I, um, you know, from a preparation standpoint, hey, you know, my whole thing is, wait are they getting pads? And we heard the coaches say that all the time. I mean, you know, to me, that's gym class. It, it's hard to evaluate them. I mean, you see, you see some skill guys, you know, receivers like James Washington. You can see this guy clearly stands out. Um, but in, but any defensive player, um, you know anything like that, you know we got to wait until they they get the pads on, and we wait to and we have to wait to see how they really get blocked by somebody instead of somebody just putting their arms in front of them. So, you know it's hard to take anything substantial out of it, Mike. Um, but you know I I just think you know we're you know based on what Antonio Brown said, we're probably in for another year of of uh, a drama and off the court shenanigans. Uh, we're set up nicely for another soap opera year, Jerry. No doubt about it. Hey, thanks so much for your time, man. Appreciate it, and uh, we'll be talking to you soon. All right, boys. See you. All right, man. We'll see you. Jerry like of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette joining us this morning on TV. Mike has your sports coming up. Sean Collier will tell you about a great film festival that's happening this weekend at Row House. And uh, Sally Wiggin remembers broadcasting icon Pittsburgher Joe DiNardo. That'll be at 915. Friends. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta with your sports right now on the DVE Morning Show. What's going on? Sports is brought to you by BobbyRayHall.com. The Pirates had a chance to sweep the Reds and nudge their record back over 500 yesterday afternoon at PNC Park, but unable to take advantage of that opportunity. The Reds outlast the Buccos 8-6 on a steamy Father's Day in front of 23,042. The Pirates settled for winning two out of three, and for the Buccos, that's significant. First time they've won a series in nine tries after losing eight consecutive series. Manager Clint Hurdle uh, telling the Associated Press, quote, if somebody would have told me you're going to lose eight series, you'd think you're going to be horrible. We're not horrible. We're fighting. And we believe that our best baseball is in front of us. You've got to play through it, though. 35 and 36, uh, not awful at this juncture of a season, but uh, based on the Bucks being nine games over 500 about a month ago, it is uh, perceived to be unjustifiably so disappointing. Right. Based on where these guys were. Oh, they're going to surprise. Ah, now they stink after all. Uh, it's, it's somewhere in the middle. Uh, General Manager Neil Huntington uh, talked about the trade deadline next month and what the Pirates might do there. And... Uh, MLB.com's Adam Barry quotes Huntington as saying, quote, we've had more conversations about adding players at this point in time than we've had about subtracting players. We'll continue to look to add to this club if we can, if it makes sense. As every team that is in our situation gets closer to the deadline, you evaluate where you are. 
Our intent is to continue to give this club every chance in the world to show that we can continue to do the things that we did the first six weeks, eight weeks, to put ourselves nine games over, and that we can dig out of this hole that we've dug ourselves over through this stretch of 30 days. A little disappointed in Neil when he says uh, all the teams have to evaluate where you are. He didn't add to Pittsburgh where you are at. Yeah, you should end up with a preposition like now. You ought to know every good Pittsburgher would how to reach the fans. So twenty three thousand on uh, Sunday, twenty seven thousand Saturday. What was the attendance Friday? Uh, I don't have that in front of me. It was twenty three or four, so something like that. Yeah, okay. they went over twenty all three. Pretty consistent. All three games. I wish they would have uh, swept. It would have been a nice statement to make a little hay against the uh, Reds while they had the opportunity there. But uh, you know, it was a nice comeback. At least Polanco got going yesterday. That. Might be a good thing, too. And, uh, you know, whether they swept or not, they have three big games coming up now against Milwaukee. Uh, Brewers lead the division at 42-29. and 29. Pirates are fourth at 35-36. and 36. They're seven games back. They took two of three in Milwaukee in early May, and now they have a chance to get at least win another series and, and gain a little ground. Uh, that would help uh, maybe start generating some momentum again in the other direction. But uh, tough assignments, uh, as you would expect, against a first-place team. Milwaukee's got its hottest pitcher going tonight, Jolice Chassin. He's 6-1 and one with a 3.32 ERA. He'll be opposed by Trevor Williams, who's 5-4, and four, 4.38, but struggling his last four or five times out. Brooks Kapka made it uh, consecutive U.S. Open championships when he shot a 2-under 68 in the final round yesterday at Shinnecock Hills. He ended the tournament at plus one. That was one stroke better than Tommy Fleetwood of England, who caught fire yesterday and shot a 63, and that included missing an eight-foot birdie putt on the final hole, Oof. on Fleetwood's final hole. He was, yeah. he was done well before Kapka. Uh, he came in at plus two, and Dustin Johnson was at plus three. A little historical perspective on Kapka's back-to-backs. He joins Ben Hogan and Curtis Strange as uh, the only golfers to go back-to-back at the U.S. Open since World War II. Fairly significant period of time. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Although, if you ask me, it's not that long ago. Kapka <laughs> joins Ernie Els, Tiger Woods, and Jack Nicklaus as the only golfers to win two U.S. Open championships before the age of 30. And uh, his... His last uh, five U.S. Opens include five straight top 20 finishes, three top five finishes, and two wins. He seems to uh, like the U.S. Open. World Cup, uh, Brazil and Switzerland uh, played to a 1-1 draw. And uh, one of the stories there was Switzerland's defense of Brazilian star Neymar. Must be good if you go by one name. Neymar got fouled ten times. In the match. Hack a Neymar. According to ESPN, that's the most fouls on one player at the World Cup since 1998. It's also the most fouls sustained by a Brazilian since 1966. Guessing that was probably Pele back then? I, I don't know. Yes? That's a, that's a defense, right? That guy's not going to beat us. It's Belichickian. Yeah. No, it's like Hackashack. Cheat. Go at him. Which ain't really cheating. It's just committing fouls. Yeah. You're allowed to do that. Right. Too bad there's not fighting in soccer. He could have dropped the gloves and policed that crap. I mean, I thought it was a little bit over the line when Phil Mickelson ran onto the field and started whacking him with a club. (laughs) Actually, he doesn't have any gloves to drop. 
you like World Cup soccer. I, you know, I usually do. I'm highly disappointed that the U.S. didn't qualify. <laughs> I know. I mean, highly disappointed. In I can't that. believe Italy didn't either. Um, I used to like going to the bars and uh, what's the name of that club? The uh, we're down at uh, Piper's American Outlaws, or is that what they're called? The, oh, the um, the soccer fan. Club? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Piper's is always packed for uh, soccer games. Yeah, and the pl- Clatter uh, football down on game. The south sorry. Side. Yeah, I mean, look, man, the World Cup is a blast to watch. I grew up playing soccer like everybody my age. Like that was, you know, the default sport for everybody played soccer. So I I love watching it. It's a lot of fun, and it's a it's in as far as pastimes go to me. That's as good as watching baseball. Like sitting around and just watching a soccer game is a lot of fun. I would be more into it if I just I just can't add another sport. <laughs> you know, what I mean? I'm not anti yeah. that You're sport. I just don't have the time to devote to try to learn about it and and get myself up to speed how I think I understand the other sports and that's how I think I enjoy them because I I think I know what's going to happen which invariably I don't but I still think that I'm just more into it when I when I think I understand it and um, I just don't have the time to research the soccer and and the hours to watch it but I'll tell you this if I lived in England I'd be a lunatic yeah I'd have a squad and I'd be at every game and Without I'd be a doubt. dressing up and drinking yeah. and like Madden does. He goes over there and watches it. Oh, I know. It's that he's Premier got... League is really a lot of fun. The whole game day experience. You know, speaking as a veteran of one Premier League game, well, that's all you need. Um, You've been there. You done. You done. Yeah, that. it's worth doing. If you ever find yourself in London, the stadiums aren't hard to find. But the nationalistic aspect gets pulled into it with the World Cup. It's a. It's just a lot of fun. It's like, well, what, yeah, I like watching. jingoism too. So. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, who doesn't? You, you like uh, ringing the bell as much as anybody, but there's no U.S. team to cheer on. So you, you have to fall back on your heritage. So you'd have to root for who now? Uh. I don't know. I, I mean, the German team's in there for me. Yeah. German and Ireland, I Mex- guess. You know, speaking along those nationalistic lines, I don't mm-hmm. understand that the Mexican fans are, are under investigation for allegedly chanting uh, a homophobic slur at the German goalie. Why doesn't everybody just chant 0 for 2 at Germany? <laughs> oh, 4 2. Oh, 4 2. They might come up big for us right now. Let's, let's not talk them. Hit them where it hurts. They might pay us back a little bit here. What you got going on there, Valerie? Is Roseanne coming back? We'll talk about that at the top of the hour. Hot and humid and air quality alert day to day. Temperatures in the mid-90s. It's 76 at DVE. Sean Collier will join us to talk about a really cool uh, Pittsburgh Film Festival going on at the Row House Cinema. And then Sally Wiggin in 915 remembers her longtime friend, co-worker, and Pittsburgh broadcasting icon, Joe Dinner.com. Randy Bauman and the DV Morning Show. Sean Collier uh, joining us right now to talk about a really cool film festival that is going on in uh, Lawrenceville at the Row House Cinema right now. Sean, good morning. How are you, man? I'm good. How are you? Good. Now, tell everybody about the Pittsburgh Sweden Film Festival, because uh, for those who have not seen the movie Be Kind Rewind, the term Sweden might uh, be a little bit uh, uh, vague. That, that might not explain exactly what's going on at this film festival. Certainly, and, and the most important distinction, uh, we are not talking about a festival of Swedish cinema. That right. is not what's happening. Right. I, I'm on, I'd be on board for that. If you want a cold Nordic reflection on death, I'll show up. Just but, Bergman films nonstop. Yeah. 
No, we're not going to do that. So uh, if you haven't seen Be Kind Rewind, uh, uh, what happened in that plot is uh, Jack Black, and I think it was Most Def, mm-hmm. uh, owned a video store, and they taped over the movies, and so they started trying to recreate them with a camcorder and, and elbow grease and, and created these beautiful uh, art film-turned-amateur-outside-artist uh, 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 takes on classics. So Rowhouse started inviting uh, local filmmakers and local non-filmmakers to do the same thing, make a five-minute version of one of your favorite films. <laughs> no budget, just whatever you got lying around the house. Try to remake, you know, a, a weird science or whatever you prefer. All right, now, how many of these movies are being shown every night? They're doing. Uh, they're doing. I believe it's it's between twelve and fifteen. And how many were submitted? I know they got dozens of these things. So so this is this is the best of the amateurs, so to speak. Uh, uh, they're showing them all this week. It's their fourth anniversary week, by the way. Happy birthday to Row House Cinema. Um, they're showing them uh, throughout the week, and then Thursday is the big one uh, that I'm uh, honored to be hosting for them, where we're going to do a final screening and uh, give out some some awards for the best suited films. Now, are some of these done by like uh, filmmakers like Chris Prexta level, or are these mostly really amateurish? These are mostly uh, uh, you and some buddies have yes. an iPhone and a dream. Okay, <laughs> level of a thing. I, I think that uh, uh, that's that's part of the charm. Is uh, I, I mentioned Weird Science because Row House has done these themselves along the ways. And when they were showing uh, Weird Science a couple of years ago, they just sweeted their own trailer for it. So oh, that's you know, awesome. mostly shot in the beer store next door with a cardboard <laughs> cut out of a robot. <laughs> that's so great. So can you tell yeah. us some of the movies that were sweeted for this film festival? I, I, I uh, here's here's a bad answer. No, I cannot. Ah, I, I, see, now that would have been helpful. Uh, it certainly would have. I, I wanted to uh, remain uh, surprised on Thursday night, so I'm going in blind as everyone will. Uh, I know oh, so that, they don't uh, tell you ahead of time what you're going to be seeing. No, no, I, I like to serve as the, the impartial, uh, uh, pure, purely experiencing the in, the evening host. And they got Jack Black to do a promotion for this last year? For, uh, this year, I believe. This year he did a YouTube video? He did a YouTube video promoting Row House's efforts to preserve the uh, the sweeting tradition, which uh, speaks to, you know, uh, Row House is such a... a, a uh, a boon for the film community in Pittsburgh, and that speaks to the the name and reputation they've built for themselves. That even Jack Black got in on this yeah. this year. Here's Jack. Well, hello there. I'm Jack Black, and what do you know? Here we are again, the second annual Sweden Film Festival, brought to you by Row House Cinemas, 100% Sweden. 1,000% row house. <laughs> you know the rules. There are no rules. Well, one rule. Be kind. Rewind. Yeah, it goes on for another uh, 20 seconds or so, and I'm, I'm afraid he's going to drop an F-bomb, so I'll stop it right there. <laughs> Do you think that's how he orders at the Taco Bell? Is yeah, that just how he talks? That's just his, his go-to. Yeah. That's his go-to. I'm very happy. I, uh, this is... Uh, uh, row House does me two great honors every year, uh, uh, and... This is this is the second uh, best honor they could give is allowing me to host this one. The first, of course, is allowing me to provide the voice of the Sorting Hat at Harry Potter Week. 
Oh, well, yeah, yeah that's uh, quite an honor for you, Sean. Yeah, I, I really couldn't be more uh, flattered by that request. But like I said, really uh, honored to be asked to host this event, too, okay, especially so- part of their birthday week. Yeah, that's great. All right, so celebrate their birthday week, and if you're looking for something unique to do and you want to get out of the heat and into the air conditioning, this is a, a good event. The su- second annual Pittsburgh Sweden Film Festival at Rojas Cinema this week. Sean, thanks so much, man. Thank you. All right, we'll see you. This is a great idea. It is fun. I wish I had known about it. I, I, I know. I, I would have loved to have submitted one from yeah. us. What movie do you think that we could have done here? Oh, I would have picked for me, Jaws. Bill would have wanted to do Goodfellas, for sure. Yeah. I might have gone something, I don't know. What, what? is it, five minutes? Yeah, is the... five minutes. I would have done The Room. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... You don't need many props. No, exactly. Or locations. We could have done that. We could have done Blair Witch, something like yeah. that. We could have just run back in the woods. We need to do one next year. For sure. That would be fun if like everybody got into doing them Sean and they had Collier just had like tons and tons of sweeted films next year. Needs to let us know ahead of time. What do you got coming up next? We're going to talk about some of the new words in the Oxford English Dictionary and is Roseanne coming back? We'll talk about it coming up. And Sally Wigan will remember her her longtime friend and coworker Joe DiNardo at 9:15 here on Deep. A Florida man was arrested for screaming at neighbors and threatening to kill them. All because his testicles hurt. Police got the call about a 32-year-old man possibly on drugs and threatening to kill the neighbors with a gun. Officers found the man soaked with sweat and clearly panicked. He told them his testicles were hurting and he believed he had parasites from swimming in a nearby creek. (laughs) Which, um, maybe he watched an episode of Monsters Inside Me and... You could have just told me that story and said, guess where this happened. (laughs) Would not have been I'm hard gonna to do f- that moving forward. Yeah, not hard to figure out that was a Florida story. <laughs> also, that's something that never happens to the wealthy. You never see the wealthy threatening to murder their neighbors because their testicles hurt. This is true. Seems to be specifically true. geared towards people who live on the beach. <laughs> Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show. Actually, that was a very unfair characterization. I think I've just been watching too much of that Showtime show, Patrick Marlowe, where everybody's filthy rich. Every show well, is about super rich people. Rich people don't have to swim in dirty water. They have pools. <laughs> so they don't have to worry about parasites in their testicles. <sighs> I mean, that's just one benefit of being rich. <laughs> just one. Yeah. Uh, great news, Val. People have been asking, hey, what's going on, DVE? We're already at midpoint of June, and Yins haven't said anything about the South Side Summer Open. Yeah, people been asking. I've gotten some tweets. Well, it's back, the 12th annual South Side Summer Open. Balls out on Carson again. Yeah. Bud Light. Speaking of testicles. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bud Light bringing it to you. Benefits class, C-L-A-S-S, uh, which I forget what that acronym stands for. I don't remember either. Joe, can you remind me so what can get it out there before this is over? Because I know they changed their name to class, and ever since they did, we keep screwing it up. Good. Stands for uh, Community Living and Support Services. Yes. Okay. Uh, Your foursome will play an indoor mini golf tournament at various bars and businesses on the south side. It's a bar tour with with putt-putt golf, miniature golf. And all the bars, they construct their own hole. Mm -hmm. There you go. So you can go 
You can fill nickels in it. (laughs) Yeah, you are totally welcome to do that. Uh, It's going to take place in August this year. We moved it. We just had too much stuff going on in June. Too jammed up. Got to spread it out. In May and June, so we were like, all right. Because it used to coincide with the U.S. Open. Mm Mm-hmm. But we change it this year to August. Uh, it'll be from 11 a.m. until 6 p.m. And the cost is $125 per force. And once again, that benefits class. It's brought to you by Bud Light and DVE. All golfers receive a commemorative T-shirt. You can register right now at DVE.com. This always sells out immediately. Quick, yeah. You got to be 21 to participate. The after party will be at Steel Cactus with Lava Game performing live. They are great. Here are the bars that are going to be participating and they're putting up uh, miniature golf in their establishment for you to enjoy on your bar tour of the South Side as you putt-putt the day away. Here we go. Bar 11. That's the Always. Bar. Always. Yeah. They're the greatest. Bar 11. I mean, bar. every time somebody in, comes in from out of town and says, uh, where should I go on the South Side? That's the first bar I Legendary tell them. Legendary place. Go to Bar 11. Uh, 12 Whiskey Barbecue. Nah, haven't been there yet. Me either. Trixie's Bar and Game Room. Trixie. Were they on a lot? Is it a new place? That no, sounds familiar. I think it's a place on Sarah Street. Okay. Carson City Saloon. Mm-hmm. The Flats on Carson. Pre-game. Wait, that's the place on Sarah Street all, I was thinking uh, about. All uh, veterans yes. of the Southside Summer Open. Mario's. So when you say Lemieux, it's Mario. When you say the bar, it's Mario's, right? Were you in I agreement there? Sure. Local bar and kitchen. Sky Bar, Casey's, Steel Cactus, Permani Brothers, Tiki Lounge, Chupka's Cafe, Archie's, Double Wide Grill, and Excuses. So some veteran places who have been in it before, a couple new ones. Absolutely. Good. These uh, foursomes, once again, sell out quickly. So if you want to be a part of it, sign up now at dve.com. 125 per foursome is a total deal, and you will have a blast. If you haven't done it before, jump on board and uh, join us for the DVE Morning Show's 12th Annual Southside Summer Open. Balls out on Carson 2018. Here's the Channel 11 Severe Weather Center forecast. It is brought to us by Dormont Appliance. Two degrees. It's 78 now at DVE. The news is brought to us by the new PPG Science Pavilion at Carnegie Science Center, built to inspire. Ryan Shazier is giving back to the hospital, helping him during his recovery. Shazier is donating a portion of the proceeds from an autograph session on Saturday at UPMC Spinal Cord Injury Research. Uh, He did that uh, signing at the mall at Robinson on Saturday, and of course there was a huge crowd there. Oh, I bet. Uh, The World Health Organization getting ready to classify video game addiction as a mental health condition. Gaming disorder will be added to the new edition of the International Classification of Diseases out today. It is marked by gaming taking precedence over just about everything else, including uh, social uh, or leads to social and personal dysfunction. It's similar to the signs of a gambling disorder. Not every psychologist, though, is on board with the new classification, but the World Health Organization hopes it will spark further research. Uh, I have uh, recently heard of a couple cases of this, and it blows me away. One of them's uh, the hockey. There's like some hockey phenom who's having trouble. Some young kid, really, yeah, who's addicted like addicted to gaming. Yeah, he's basically blowing his career. He's in juniors right now, and they can't get him to stop gaming. Wow, an addictive personality. Yeah, and I recently talked to a friend whose uh, whose kid was having that trouble. You know, college kid just couldn't mm-hmm. keep 
away from the games. Just was gaming nonstop. It's crazy. I mean, look, that was what was good about the old Ataris. After you played for a long time, you wore too big of a blister into your hand <laughs> using that old thing. <laughs> well, that Atari game- joystick with the rubber controller thing on and the game's a little more advanced uh, these days with the special effects and how realistic they look. And you're a little more immersed. Yeah, yeah. Into it. Uh, you're I more... mean, do you remember what the Atari Pac-Man sound effect was? We never had video games. Shut up! You no. were like living. You lived in Big Love. I. D- you were like in a Mormon house. I didn't basically. have my. Uh, well, my friend had. Is it Pong? That was like just the that bar that went up and down the side of this TV yeah. screen. It was like tennis. Yeah. My best friend had that, so we did play that, but we never had video games, probably because my brothers were so much older than me, so. When I see what, like, the stuff I, I'll play with my nephew, mm-hmm. and it's just so cool, and the sound effects are unbelievable, and then I remember back what we played when we were a kid, and I know it makes me sound like a super old guy, but, I mean, the Pac-Man game back then was. Oh, my God. That sounds awful. That was the sound effect. Eating the dots. It's making my eye twitch. I mean, that's how Japanese kids have seizures. Stuff like that. <laughs> we used to go to uh, the Pizza Hut downtown. We would walk oh, there yeah, and play dude. Frogger. Oh, yeah. Frogger could take an afternoon. Uh, Defender was, was one I played when I was, I remember, like, just, like, my drug of choice back then was Sweet Tarts. <laughs> the big ones and sprees. Remember those big yep. sticks of sprees, and you just plop one in your mouth, get chewing. It's just a straight sugar rush. Play you play all day. I'm an old fella. <laughs> <laughs> Back in my day, uh, your morning coffee may be a lot germier than you think. A study found that coffee machines are the fifth germiest place in people's homes. I totally believe that. Didn't you? Don't you think you got some kind of Legionnaire's disease from the coffee maker at the Super Bowl? Yeah, I did. <laughs> I I drank the hotel room coffee in the portable coffee maker with the little tiny and it two knocked cup. me out for like three days. And two hours, three hours after I drank it, Caliendo was on the show with us because we were broadcasting from Radio Row, and he's like, uh, "You look green," and I'm like, "I don't feel good. I feel green." And I was like, "I drank out of that coffee <laughs> machine in my room," and he just lectured me. He's like. Dude, how dumb are you? That's, you know, everybody knows they don't clean those things. Yeah, well, that's the issue. So at home, you should wash all removable components after every use. (laughs) Mine's going on like a year. Wipe the outside of your coffee maker daily and the internal components you have to clean at least once a month. So I I put vinegar in it. Yeah, the vinegar wash. All right. But the other stuff every day, every time you use it. No way. Nobody does that. No. No. <laughs> if you could work from, from home, would you with your dirty coffee pot? I mean, I kind of do work from home. We come here, but we all. Yeah, we have a four hour stint here. Yeah. Or, or a few hours more. But uh, 77% of people say they wish they could work from home. And that includes... It's, it's not all it's cracked up well, to be. Well, yes. Uh, nine out of 10 who are 34 or younger would do that. The downsides to working at home, 19% say none, no downsides. Uh, but four out of five say the biggest one isn't what happens when they work from home. It's when their coworkers work from home because they think everybody else gets lazy. 
Mm-hmm. Not when not when they work at home. It's everyone right. they else. They know they're working. Uh, about a quarter of people say the worst part of telecommuting is when other people abuse the privilege and don't stick to the hours. Other problems include feeling isolated, not developing great relationships with coworkers, not being considered for promotions, and not having people to bounce ideas off of. Uh, it's bad for your social skills. I will say that. I yeah. think that it puts you... That's why I try to, you know, go out all the time and do stuff because I'm working alone so much. Yeah, I know a few people who work at home. One person I know does is not a big fan. The other person loves it. There's the potential for too many distractions, too. Yeah. Because you will willingly allow things to happen during the day that you wouldn't if you were at work. You'd be like, oh, I can't do that. I'm at work. Like someone would be like, well, I can come over and check in on that at 2 o'clock today. Yeah. And you're like, all right. And then all of a sudden, 90 minutes is taken out of your day while you talk to a plumber. <laughs> uh, some new words have been added to the Oxford English Dictionary. Binge watch made it in. Pretty much everybody knows what that right. is. Do you know what imposter syndrome is? I've never heard this term. No. It is the persistent inability to believe one's success is deserved or has been legitimately achieved as a result of one's uh, efforts or skills. Ah, that's interesting. There's a uh, subplot on the Showtime show I'm Dying up here that's dealing with that right now, where a comedian has been given a TV show that turns wildly successful before he feels he's earned it. That would apply to the imposter syndrome. Yeah. Uh, Stan is a verb that means to be an overzealous or obsessive fan of a particular celebrity. Yeah, that's the Eminem song, right? My guess. Microaggression. Oh, Jesus. A statement, action, or incident regarded as an instant uh, instance of indirect, subtle, or unintentional discrimination or prejudice. Previously, that was known as passive-aggressive, and before that, it was known as just being a D-bag. <laughs> being a, you know what. Spoiler alert. Included uh, this year. Oh. Other words included. <laughs> I thought you were about to tell me no. something. Just so you know. Uh, Beer Fest, Jumbotron, and Upskirt have all been added. (sighs) Nice. Yeah. Upskirt. Things we don't Do we really need to have that in there? Right. ABC's Roseanne spinoff is one step closer to becoming a reality as negotiations are reportedly moving into a new phase. Sources say Roseanne has agreed to step away from the creative and financial end of the show and allow her cast and crew to craft a spinoff. The show is said to be based around the character played by Sarah Gilbert. Uh, Several Roseanne writer, producers, and cast members, including John Goodman and Laurie Metcalf, are reportedly on board as negotiations continue. However, even if Roseanne does sign off and totally walk away, ABC would still need to pick it up. She's crazy. A little bit. Well, she has been for a while. The stuff that she's been tweeting since she got canned has only confirmed that she just was not mentally all right. She literally and figuratively lives on a nut farm. Well, yes, exactly. A macadamia nut farm yes, in Hawaii. Yes, in Hawaii. But she is really bananas and caught up in conspiracy theories, and I, I don't know how well she is. She I, doesn't I seem you... to be very mentally um, astute. I hope I never get caught up in the conspiracy theory. It's just World. all day anger. Yeah. All day anger and uh, no real foundation for it. Come on, there's got to be one or two conspiracy theories. I can't that, think of any. Crazy ones that you've espoused. Just uh, the like years. in passing, just, oh, th- they're in cahoots. Oh, they're in cahoots? These people. 
The referees are in cahoots against the Stillers. Yeah, stuff like that, That's, but nothing that I, you know. The league doesn't want the on. Penguins to win another one. <laughs> in uh, music. We got to go to Sally. Oh, okay. We're going to Sally. Yeah. Uh, hot and humid air quality alert day today. Temperature is going to be in the mid-90s at 77 at DVE. Sally Wigan on the line right now. Good morning, Sally. How are you? Hi, guys. I'm, I'm fine. How are you guys? Uh, doing okay. Well, our, our condolences to you and uh, your coworkers and friends of Joe DiNardo, the Thanks. legendary Pittsburgh broadcaster, passed on uh, Friday morning. And uh, though this was not uh, unexpected, uh, he definitely was a guy that that uh, it, it was like, a, oh, man, end of an era. You know, like there aren't a whole lot of guys like Joe DiNardo anymore. He was a unique guy from a unique period in uh, Pittsburgh broadcasting, and you knew him as good as anyone. Yeah. Um, um, you think about the cliches and when you said, you know, the legendary end of an era. And, and, you know, the first thing you think is, oh, cliche, cliche, cliche. But cliches, you know, are developed for a reason. That's what I always ap- say. <laughs> because, because they're yeah. applicable. And, and they, they certainly were for him. And, yeah, he was um, – and, and I'm finding out things that he would say to other people about me. He, was, he wasn't just a colleague for me. He was a really close friend. And um, when, his, um, when his son tweeted that you were the daughter he never had, I, I've been having a really hard time – because I knew it, but when someone else says it, then it makes it harder. How old were you when you started working with Joe? <sighs> well, if you count when I came in and did weekends, um, 27, I guess. I'm going to wow. be 66 in September. Oh, man, you look great. Uh, um, but, um, but we really, is in 86, when I became Don's partner, and that period from 86, I mean, Paul was amazing. He and Paul, and, and it, I don't know if you realize it, but he sort of kindly, he was so fond of Paul. He loved him. He deferred to Paul. I don't know if you heard our, our coverage, uh, but I, I remember the stories, and I was not on weekdays then. I was on weekends. Uh, it was Joe who did it. They, they moved. Paul's car. He always parked in the very same parking space in our, our par- you know, three-level parking lot. He moved a car. Paul was looking for his car for half an hour. And they, they, they stood up in the newsroom, he and, and Cannon and Hillgrove, watching him and laughing. Uh, I mean, it was, it was all in good fun, but they would do those things to each other. And I was, you know, I would sometimes substitute as the weekend anchor, and I was was privileged to witness some of that that it was they really liked each other they loved each other and and um and and the banter it was rough it's locker room banter and i got to become a part of that you know for Mm -hmm. a while and uh, he had a term for me that's an italian term and I, I, when I was being interviewed by somebody, I used it, and they said, we can't use that. I said, oh, <laughs> is that a bad word? And, and I really never knew it. Because <laughs> I would yell it when people were visiting, and he would, and I said, you call me this. And he would look at me like, you're not supposed to say that. And it was, it was. Now uh, I, I, mean, I got to know what that word is. I can't say you it. You have to text it, it, it to him. 
What if? Huh? Yeah, you need to text it to me as soon as this well, is it's over. Well, it's the feminization of something they call guy. You're a blank. Okay. Oh. And it's the feminization of it. But it's, I don't think it's that bad. I don't know what it is. I can't believe we're talking about this. Well, that's because yeah. we're, we're trying to illustrate the relationship uh, that you and Joe had. And uh, he was, you know, and he was very, I think he was from, his family was from Sicily. And he was very tied to his Italian roots. They were very important to him. And uh, the other thing that, that, that was so important to him, and I don't think people understand it, he owned his own meteorological service before he went into television. And it wasn't like he grew up wanting to be on TV. And so it, it, it makes you different. Does that make sense? Yeah. That, that he had a life before, and it was following the weather. And they were the meteorological uh, they were, uh, um, business that the airport used, the Pittsburgh airport used. And then he got into initially with KD, and then, you know, and then John Conamike's genius that he was said, we're going to build a team, and this man is going to be part of it, and and that was it. And um, uh, so you didn't have that sort of archetype, like desperation, that some of the people no, breaking into no, the business never. have. No, but 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 that's why he was so obsessive about getting it right. And to this day, I I got confused and thought it was snow. It wasn't. It was rain. They would, when I came on, I didn't understand what they were talking about. They would tease him about 4th of July, Joe, 4th of July. Just remember, don't do another 4th of July. And apparently, he forecast that it would be sunny all day and a wonderful 4th of July, and it rained buckets the whole day. <laughs> and Cannon and Hillgrove and Paul never let him forget that, ever. And... Um, um, and and uh, I don't know. It was just uh, um, he and I would when he retired. Um, I would go over sometimes, not enough, and I feel so guilty about that. And for a while, he would cook me pasta. Then then he he wasn't able to, and and we would talk. But we would talk on the phone a lot, and he called a lot of people uh, because he always wanted to be in touch with people. And we would argue about the Steelers, and I mean. I mean arguments so screaming loud that I would be on the verge of hanging up. And it was, it was about the Steelers. It was, it was, uh, he would yell at you about the Steelers. I mean, is there a more Pittsburgh thing? No, he, listen, anytime he yelled at me, I yelled right back. Sometimes I yelled at him first and then he would yell. I've been on the receiving end of your yelling. (laughs) (laughs) It's just when I'm, I'm vigorously disagreeing. And, uh, uh, but one of the, one of the, uh, one of the things, (laughs) don't you dare tape that noise. No, I won't. And out of respect for Joe, who actually would love it if I made fun of you for doing that. So maybe I'll reconsider. Oh, but he did. Oh my gracious. He loved it. Oh, he just, he, 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 he was so tickled about it. And he loved when you guys talked about him and made fun of his, not made yeah. fun. Yeah, Scott and Jim did accent. that for years and Jimmy kept yep. doing it for a while uh, on the show. Yeah, uh, and, and he, yeah, and he, um, but one of the things, he, he, he just loved his family so much. His sons, Doug and, and Jeff and, and his wife, Dolores, and, and his grandchildren, he was so proud of his grandchildren. And because he was self-made, that he had 
he, he had struggled, and, and he had an amazing education. He had his master's from the University of Chicago. Oh, wow. In, 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 yes, in, in meteorology. He was, you know. And so he's he a smart in, guy. I mean, oh, he's a br- he was a More brilliant smart, guy. Brilliant. He was a genius. And that's why, that's why he was so obsessive that, that, that people who did weather needed to get it right. Because to him, it wasn't a television job. It was a science. And oh, he loved to play television, but he did weather. And he had a setup at home after he retired, and he would follow them. He would follow all of them. Um, um, but he had his. Then he, I'm sorry, I was only going to talk for five minutes, and I'm going on. And um, so his his viewing is starts today, and uh, I, there are a lot of us who are going to have a really tough time. Well, I imagine so. But uh, he. Uh, what last thing I, uh, before you go. What do you think he would have enjoyed this current environment? He strikes me as a guy who would have been like, uh, and I mean television environment because it has changed. You, you know, the industry has changed so much. Uh, I, he strikes me as a guy who'd have been like, yeah, screw this, I'm not doing this. No, no. If he could do well, no, let me, let me, let me, let me change that. I mean, he had his four minutes of weather, and there were consultants who would come in and say that that was crazy, that was too much. Uh, but. I mean, Joe was Joe was Joe was the oracle. He was the weather oracle. I just made that up. Oh, he would love that. <laughs> uh, he would love that. Um, oh God, you know, Friday I was so screwed up. I crossed in front of a police officer and got pulled over. And then an hour later, I hit a curb and exploded my tire and had to wait for an hour and a half for them. I was a mess on Friday. But anyway, would he? Did you get a going- ticket? No, of course not. <laughs> I I'm Sally F. and Wigan. They don't give me tickets. Now I'm going to get a ticket. Yeah. Oh, I shouldn't have said that. Please erase that. You know, delay that. Or sure, something. yeah. No, no you know what? If Joe could have his weather the way he wanted, if they had given him leeway, he would have done it. He he really realized it was time because he was, you know, because he was 70. I don't know if it's in his 70s when he retired completely you know, from actually doing, you know, mm-hmm. doing the forecasting. Uh, I may have the, I may have his age wrong on that uh, and the date, but uh, I'm sure it's, it's, it's in the obituary. But he, um, if he could have had his way and do it his way, but I do think he was tired. I think he was just tired. And, and I think part of the atmosphere of how television had changed um, and, and how the Internet had changed it, how cable had changed it, how um, I think that he would, if you asked him, he would say, I did it during the golden age of television. And, it, you know, there's always another golden age, but the people who used to work in that age think it's the golden age. I'm sure the people who are working now will think theirs is the golden age. It's all generational. But I, I think he's glad he retired when he did. I think, but I think he missed the science of it. I think he missed the science of it. Well, uh, please extend our uh, condolences to friends and family as you're visiting with everyone today. Sally, thanks for joining us to remember Joe DiNardo, a Pittsburgh icon. I love you guys. Thank you so much for letting me Love you this. too, Sally. We'll see, see you. Calm. DVE Sports. Mike Pursuta, sports update for you right now on the DVE Morning Show. First place, Milwaukee Brewers are in town tonight for the first of three against the Pirates. Milwaukee's got a seven-game lead on the Bucks after yesterday's action. Milwaukee coming to town at 42-29. and 
Pittsburgh checking in at 35 and 36. Your matchup tonight at PNC Park. Jolice Chassin for Milwaukee against Trevor Williams of the Pirates. Chassin is 6-1 with a 3.32 ERA. Williams 5-4, 4.38. That is a matchup that would seemingly favor Milwaukee. Tuesday night, Jamison Tyone 4-5 with a 3.94 ERA goes against Freddie Peralta. Will be making his second start of the season. He's 1-0, 3.72. That's a matchup that seemingly favors the Pirates, and then uh, a potential rubber game on Wednesday night. Brent Suter against Chad Cool. That one kind of a toss-up. So we'll see what the Pirates can do in terms of uh, getting themselves back into the race. Seven games not out of it, but not exactly in it either. Pirates missed out on a chance yesterday to sweep the Cincinnati Reds. They lost 8-6. to six. 23,042 on hand on Father's Day at PNC Park. Uh, Not a great day for the Pirates pitching staff, but an interesting afternoon for Gregory Polanco, who went 3-for-3, also walked, scored a couple runs, and drove in a couple. Polanco, a guy that uh, a lot of people seem to want to run out of town on a rail, particularly with the hot start to the big league career by Austin Meadows, but uh, if you look a little bit past Polanco's 211 batting average, and granted, it's tough to do that, he had his ninth home run yesterday. That ties for the team lead with Francisco Cervelli. And he's got 34 RBI. That is third on the team behind Josh Bell's 36 and Cervelli's 35. He's already walked more this year than he did all of last year. And uh, he is approaching last year's totals of 11 home runs and 35 RBI. Now, granted, last year was awful. But uh, Polanco has not been the disaster that his 211 average would suggest. And he's a lot like tonight's starter, Trevor Williams, who's really scuffled hard the last four or five starts. Do you factor in body of work and ride a guy out through a tough stretch to try to get what you still think you can get from him? They don't have a choice. Well, I mean, in, in Polanco's Polanco, case... Polanco, yeah, but I mean, could, Trevor Williams, I mean... He, Trevor Williams, you could throw Nick Kingham in his spot. Yeah. Kingham's in AAA. He has a very short track record in the major leagues. Now, it's been impressive, but Williams was really good the second half of last year. Uh, he was good at the start of this year. He hasn't been good lately. It's a big start for him tonight, I would think. And uh, Polanco, 2-11 aside, is... He's getting on, he's scoring runs, he's driving runs in, he's hitting with occasional power. And on this team, more power than just about everybody else. I just remember watching his off-season workouts and he was like doing that rope exercise in like a public park with a Bane mask on. <laughs> like, seemed like maybe not the most high-tech workout scenario. I mean, AB certainly goes to the beach and gets some pretty impressive workouts going, but Polanco's look more like... I don't know. It looked like he was trying to win a stuffed bear. <laughs> he looks like a guy who's never going to match the expectations that were initially established for him, but those were so high. Can he still be a productive power-type player at right field? Well, yesterday was a good day at the plate. See if he can do it uh, two days in a row. Uh, Brooks Kapka's done it two times in a row at the U.S. Open. His uh, final round, 268. Left him one over for the tournament. That was one shot better than Tommy Fleetwood of England. 
Kapka becomes the 22nd two-time winner of uh, the U.S. Open and the seventh to do it back-to-back. The World Cup continues, uh, and at 2 o'clock today, it's England against Tunisia, and uh, Tunisia doesn't mind dealing with uh, pressure, even if it's uh, self-imposed pressure. According to Coach Nabil Malul, he said uh, Tunisia is not only carrying the hopes of 12 million Tunisians, but also those of Africa as a whole and of the Arab world. Got a lot to play for, apparently, against England. You were uh, talking last hour, Randy, about uh, how with the U.S. not in it, uh, do we all default back to our uh, country of uh, family heritage? Right. Uh, for me, that would be Serbia. one nothing over Costa Rica yesterday, baby. <laughs> Congratulations on beating the Costa Ricans. <laughs> no need to start a world war a yet. A country of 1,100 people. Yeah, well, they thought they could mess with Serbia, and they found out different, didn't they? Certainly. Last but not least, uh, a heartwarming Father's Day story from the NFL. Teams have all uh, gotten through their organized team activities and mini camps and whatnot. And uh, it's been a special time for the Jets where uh, linebacker Casey Rogers, the second, is trying to make the team after spending a couple of years with the Saskatchewan Rough Riders of the Canadian Football League. One of the guys who will be evaluating Casey Rogers, the second, is Jets defensive coordinator Casey Rogers, the first. Yes, they are uh, the NFL's only active father and son duo, at least as of now, in terms of coordinator and player on the same team. Casey Rogers, uh, the elder, uh, really enjoys the situation. He said, quote, I was seeing my son once, twice a year, Max. Now I see him every day. You look out there on the practice field, that's not only number 39, that's my son. Wonder how it's going to work out when he has to cut Junior. Has that ever happened? Has there ever been a scenario where someone had to a father cutting a son? Yeah, I don't know. Can't think of a situation where that would have been applicable at all. I don't know. There's been plenty where like there were fathers who played their sons over the uh, protestations of others. Yes. There have been many of those instances. They don't always end well for them. Yeah. In everybody's high school, in every city, and <laughs> in every state. That's always happened. Sometimes he's really good, though. Like They'll be like Tyler Palco, you know? Wasn't his old man his coach? In high school? Yeah. I believe you're right on yeah. that. Yeah. You not play Tyler because he's your kid? Hey, he's the best. Yeah. Todd Haley was his coach in the NFL. So... Didn't work out as well for Todd Haley as it did for Bob Palco. I see what you're saying. All right, quick break. We're going to come back. Todd was better in high school than he was in the NFL. Yes, gotcha. Really Todd- good in college. As many are. And one of the memorable quotes of all time. I'm so effing proud of these yes. guys. <laughs> After beating Notre Dame live on NBC. At Notre I remember Dame. We brought that up to him one time. He's like, oh, man, come on. Drop it. I'm like, no, dude, no, no, no never, way. Never. This is one of the great quotes of a pit quarterback ever. So effing proud of these guys right on NBC. That's, I, I think Pitt, In their house. I think Pitt should be proud of that quote. Yeah, I think they are. Uh, Doug Benson, part of the DVE Comedy Festival. Day two, still a few tickets left for this. I'm off her. 
TV Morning Show. Hey, if you missed it earlier, we announced the Southside Summer Open is up and running right now. The registration for the event, which will take place August 18th this year from 11 a.m. until 6 p.m. Uh, someone tweeted me and I said it was the 11th. I screwed up. It's the 18th. And uh, it's 125 bucks for some. Once again, it benefits class, community living, community living and support services. Support services. Uh, you can register at dve.com. Bar 11, 12 Whiskey Barbecue, Trixie's Bar and Game Room, Carson City Saloon, The Flats on Carson, Pre-Game, Mario's, uh, Mario's, Local Bar and Kitchen, Sky Bar, Casey's, Steel Cactus, Permani Brothers, Tiki Lounge, Chupka's Cafe, Archie's, Double Y Grill, Excuses. They all construct miniature golf holes. You and your foursome bar crawl around the south side playing miniature golf, all for a good cause. And uh, once again, this always sells out pretty quickly, so jump on... And register as soon as you possibly can at dve.com. Yeah, that was perfect timing. Bless you. I sneezed right at the end the of the song. The sneeze and the kiss came at the like, same time. Exactly the same time. Hit the post, baby. That's how we rock it here. Uh, special thanks to Sally Wigan for giving us a shout earlier this hour to remember her good friend and longtime co-worker, Joe DiNardo, and our condolences, sympathies extended to his friends and family as they celebrate his life today. Uh, Sean Collier uh, told us about the Pittsburgh Sweeted Film Fest at Rojas Cinema. That just sounds like a blast. Definitely go check that out if you're looking to get out of the heat. Uh, and uh, Jerry Dulac, we want to thank for joining us to talk U.S. Open tomorrow. Tomorrow on the show, Billy Gardell will be joining us, and uh, Bill Crawford will be back from vacation. All right, well, stay cool, everyone. And, Mike, you're going to Dropkick Murphys and uh, Flogging Molly tonight, right? Wow. If I ever leave this world alive, I'm going to be shipping up to Boston. If I ever leave this world alive, I thank you. Don't forget to call my name just before you go insane. Oh, man, you're you're ready to go. I love this stuff, which just explains why I will not be here tomorrow, because <laughs> I will be sleeping it off. Uh, yeah, well, Val and I will be here, along with Bill and Billy Gardell. I'm finished. You stay classy, Pittsburgh. Don't touch your face. I got him dead, Pittsburgh, all day, baby. For now, you guys call me Ronald. Would you not eat my pants? Ronald. Ah! Mm-hmm.